I'm Don Simpson, the creator of Megaton Man, Border Worlds, Bizarre Heroes, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> And that's it. That's all we're going to hear from David. <laughs> he you should be so lucky. He done broke his throat. I'm just glad it worked out for him. Well, it's it good. I mean, it was, no, it was very perfect. Oh, okay. I would not make you do another one. Are you kidding me? I'm not that sadistic. <laughs> if it was Jason, I would make him do another one. Yeah. Oh, you love me. I do. This is very true. Everybody knows it. Everybody that was at the auction knows it. <laughs> Holy shit, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, I was stupid. Stupid and fun. <laughs> and hey, <coughs> I'll take that out. <laughs> Here's a whole boatload of stupid and fun. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 803. Damn. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Now, fortunately, the boy is not with us tonight because he done has the COVID. Yes, we do. Yes. And, uh, well, we were going to get to that. Um, and his uh, his throat's all jacked up. So uh, we wouldn't want a repeat of last week where you couldn't hear him at all. So <laughs> I got to get them in, buddy. So we brought in two wonderful human beings, both of whom were with us at Heroes Con. I'll tell you about one, Dap will tell you about the other. We have the mastermind behind Stray Dogs, one of the hardest working men in comic business. He is a maestro. Uh, you know him. He's been here a lot recently, and he's going to be here a lot in the future. It's Tony Fleece, everybody. Oh, my God. How far back is he leaning? Oh, my God. <laughs> Did he get cut off? Did he? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was on mute. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> really hey, everybody. Fun. Happy to be here on 11 o'clock comics. God damn it. Hey, Let's thank- go. <laughs> I, I, I am so glad Tony is here because he has he's, he's part of one of my absolute favorite moments from Heroes Con. But not only... Is Tony with us tonight? Uh, we have a very, very good and dear friend of ours. Uh, you've heard him on the show before. Uh, you've heard him on his own show. Uh, he is an absolutely wonderful human being. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. None other than Mr. Caleb Alexander McKenzie. Hey, y'all. Honestly, I don't. I don't know what to do with that. What do, you, you just called me one of your favorite people on the planet. Like, how do I? How do I come up from that? But, I mean, I think it's a low bar, right? Because <laughs> David, he just loves everyone. But I know he loves you a lot. It's true. It's, it's, it's mutual. Mean, it was like, it was like it's a low bar because oh, you include yourself on that? I oh, know. sure. Yeah. Yeah, shit. I'm an inch off the ground. Caleb's like two feet at least. <laughs> so I think he loves you more than me. But whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's enough love to go around. It's there is. Contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, and we, speak. We, we learned that from this weekend. That's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. And we'll get to that because this is our heroes, twenty two wrap up episode. Uh, we're gonna we'll tell you all about the con, but before we do that, we have to tell you who made this possible. And we saw a lot of them. 
this weekend, this past weekend, the patrons. Yes, it's true. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. They give, oh boy, do they give. And they make stuff like heroes and extra long episodes and non-location episodes like at Jason's house. They make everything like that possible. So in turn, we like to give back. And what do we give? You say to me, huh? Why should I consider this Patreon thing? What is the dealio with this stuff? What do I get for giving you stuff? Well, you get images every day. Dap does his daily page rate, which he'll present to you a uh, page or two from a comic, and he will delineate the creative team on it, and you get to uh, see that each and every day. I throw up uh, pages a day. We get multiple pages, sometimes full stories, depending on the uh, whether or not they're public domain. And we also do pulp covers a day. We do polls. We do audio. The audio file for this month, when released, will be over six hours long. That's free, and that's something that no one on the feed hears. This is Heroes Con antics. It's uh, stuff before Heroes Con. It's this uh, episode. All of the backdoor stuff that we record during this episode is going to be in there. It's just a whole melange of stuff that we think you, as our patron, would be interested in. So uh, we do a whole bunch of stuff just for the, the patrons all the time because we love them and they're there for us. So if you want to check it out, go to patreon.com with that slash 11 o'clock comics. The more the merrier. And we have um, a couple shout outs, don't we, David? We do. Like we got we have a couple start. of uh, recent patrons. that, uh, And that's another thing. If you become a patron, we tell the world. Because now you're family. Uh, and uh, David is going to tell you who those are. He is, as soon as the page loads. Um, the uh, There's a... Um, we have one fantastic. Uh, actually, we met a bunch of people over the weekend. Uh, two became patrons um, before uh, the weekend was over. Um, it's see, I want to say Oppie because it's A I U P P Y, um, and I believe his first name is Anthony, um, and the other one that signed up uh yes anthony anthony uppy uh we also have to welcome who's oh my god dude's a mensch i cannot wait to speak with him again mr cliff q cumber my man is an absolute gent it, it is it's there's a q in parentheses in, in quotes but yeah uh-huh. cliff cumber is a uh, is a patron as well uh and is just a he's he's a very funny witty charming handsome man uh he's an expat lives in maryland i just i to give all his tinder profile information but it is it's he's a uh it was delightful to meet him set up next to uh tony esmond and uh adam flap who who adam Falp, who is who's is, how how young is adam Falp? i think I mean, he's he's 12 i think yeah it's got to be like 12 13 but yes no he's he's, well, in, he's in his 20s yeah early 20s yes yeah, and Cliff single-handedly created the greatest piece of original art that was uh, produced at Heroes this year, and I own it. Yes, you do. It's gorgeous. 
Yep, it's a red Sonya piece. I need to take a picture of that. Um, I'm currently having it framed. So, nice. yes, once it's finished, I will take a picture and uh, put it up um, on the website, 11oClockComics.com. My man, you didn't waste any time getting that framed. You've like, seen you, it, you right? Got, you got home from the. Oh, yeah. No, I saw it before you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I took one look at it and I'm like, holy crap. I need I need to preserve this. Archival, um, map board, um, yeah, UV. I'm doing it at work. <laughs> so I have all the best tools available to me. Yeah. It, it, it's, now, it, it's a wonderful piece of, of art. It is spectacular. If, if I recall. You are not the only one who got a really hot piece of art uh, from that table, uh, from that very same artist. Yeah, you're, you're true. Um, yeah. Who else did? Uh, I think both of your co-hosts ended up getting to walk away with one. They did. So, so funny story with that, too, because I uh, went by the table and was chatting up him and uh, Tony Esmond and got to see your piece and I got to see Dap's piece. Uh, but he hadn't made one for for Jason yet, <laughs> and Tony's like, "Hey, you, you got to get Jason in there. When he's the art guy, if you do that, yeah. we're never going to see him again." Wouldn't that be so funny though if Cliff just like, "Nah, screw it, I'm not giving one to Jason." That would be perfect. Oh, it would it because, would be as you said, Jason is the art guy, and for him not to, it would be ironic. It would yeah. be ironical. Yes, yes, but magnificent jobs. He'd have, he'd have been all. so salty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like to make Jason salty? It's like a pastime, right? I don't like to. Well, that's Jason. that's because you're not around him a lot. I you guess. know, I mean, the more the more you deal with them, the more you like to tweak them. Just because I know exactly what to say to get under his skin, it's so easy, but it's so enjoyable. We used to pick on my sister all the time, and then one day she went to school and she told the school counselor that her brothers and sisters were mean to her, and she didn't think she had any. And we really felt bad about it. And ever since then, I, I try not to pick on people. Well, you're a nice guy. I guess so. I mean, I, I wear a shirt with the devil on it, so I, I have uh, huge things to live up to. Yeah. I have alcohol. Mmm. I bet it's Ooh, not yeah. eagle rare. No, no, that shit <laughs> fucked me up. Um, first of all, I'm drinking an IPA named after my wife from Flying Dog. It's the Raging Bitch IPA. And then I have also, no, this is from Hop Valley. It's called Stash Panda Hazy IPA. Never had this before. So I don't know I, what that tunes reviewer was even talking about when they said you were misogynistic on this show it's crazy it's a crazy i don't i don't understand it if they don't get the joke by now then they just haven't been paying attention all right i'm done critiquing that's okay we all need a little bit of critique now and then don't we what are you drinking tony i'm drinking a rock star i have i have to leave for denver in the morning uh so i'm I'm no fun. Plus, I feel like I drank plenty. I drank enough to last me this weekend. There's a lot of beer out there. Yeah. No hard booze, though, which I feel like worked out well for me in the long run. Because I was, I maintained, you know, the whole time. Well, you should have visited our room then. We had hard stuff all over the place. I'm saying I did well without it because uh, cause I never got, like, sloppy or out of hand. 
Oh. I'd like to see uh, you get you wild. Sloppy. Have I? Remember one time I left my whole laptop at a at some random bar in the middle of Manhattan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <sighs> Good times. She got Galen? That was all stray dogs sitting there. Could have been nothing. Oh shit. Oh jeez. Yeah, don't even don't even say that. That gives oh. me that that gives me the agita. Really? <laughs> so so you had the stray dog stuff on the laptop that you left at the bar. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was meant to happen then. <laughs> yeah. So, so some some continuity here, some connective continuity, like Vince likes to say. Since since our man Tony is leaving for Denver in the morning, uh, I am drinking a glass of bourbon that comes from Denver, uh, and this is distilled, aged, and bottled by Laws Whiskey House uh, there in Denver, Colorado. It is a four grain straight bourbon whiskey, uh, about fifty seven point eight two percent alcohol by volume. So wow. Uh, I've also just to keep you know to keep Jason the spirit of Jason alive. I've also got a nice little uh, blackberry bubbly uh, flavored uh, bubbly water just just for him, just to, just in his his memory. I might have a seltzer later on. Shout out to the to our fallen brother. Right. Yeah, yeah I like to tease him, but he's not feeling good. So I yeah. know. And before we go into the heroes recap. Um, I got to say, he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job on that panel. I I don't like to usually, I don't like to give him props because it's Jason, right? But I think um, his moderation was wonderful. And in tandem with the the, uh, magnitude of the stuff covered, like Bitterroot's a comic, right? And it's entertaining. Um, But I think it goes beyond that, right? It's, It's an important comic. It's a statement that um, should or hopefully will uh, change people for the better, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it has weight and value. And I thought that combined with the elegant way Jason directed the questions and the comments and everything, I just think it was a wonderful, wonderful panel. And you'll hear the entirety of that panel after we regale you with our heroes con memories we captured it there's an announcement in it that you may want to pay attention to it's true towards the tail end of the of the uh, discussion so uh keep prick, prick your ears open there we're breaking news tonight um i don't know i'm sure the the internet has taken it and ran with it right like uh um what bleeding cool probably had uh little micro drone bugs all over the room to pick up on the the hot bits so uh, yeah i don't think we're the f- i don't think it's an exclusive but so hot what bits. yeah so Speaking what bleeding cool real quick uh before we get into the the serious business uh uh shout out uh to my buddy james lucas jones from oni i guess he's out of there now i'm not sure exactly what's going on but that guy really gave me a shot uh early on before it when i wasn't shit and uh, and I hope he lands on his feet, whatever's going on. Well, I hope we meet him someday so I can buy him a big beer. Because uh, any, anybody that gives you a, an op- opens the door for you is okay in my book. I mean, you're going to be buying a lot of beers. I, I'm standing on a lot of shoulders. But. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. I got to let you in on a, a little secret. David and Jason are so jealous how much I love you. <laughs> I don't think jealousy is the right word. Oh, okay. So in the Skype, I texted David and said, I got to do something. 
And no, Slack, but yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah, Slack. I said, I got to do something. I'll be right back, right? And I said, back. And then he laughed and said, go ahead, get your boyfriend first. <laughs> See? They just they, they just can't take it when I when I love someone as much as they. No, that's it's we have no problem with it. We find it amusing. Okay. I mean, we don't he and I don't have anybody that we would knock over an old woman out of the way to run up and hug the way <laughs> you do Tony. Get out of my way, lady. There's Tony Fleece. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really bummed he's not here tonight because because uh, I really went hard on that commission for him. And while I did get the the personal one on one appreciation, I was really hoping for you know a public <laughs> the whole world uh, to know about it. Oh, they will. They will. Yeah, I'm sure he has a picture of it, right? Or did you send him a picture? We need something to put in the gallery for this episode. So oh, if, I can send. It. Yeah, send. I, uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 put it on the slide. I got the text. Okay. So we're yeah, covered. I mean, as soon as my man gets his voice back, he's going to start shouting it from the mountaintops, though. So don't don't worry. I hope he recovers. This COVID has really taken so much from us. Yeah. It, yeah. My congratulations. You know, <laughs> yeah. There was one. There was one awesome line though at 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 lunch on the first day at Leroy Fox from uh, from Mario that that absolutely fucking killed me. I cannot repeat it, unfortunately, for everybody listening. Uh, but it, it absolutely made so much perfect sense, and I love the man for saying it, and he said what we all felt, and I will tell you guys after the fact. But it is... Yeah, you're, 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 yes, you are not you are not wrong. Tony Clovett has taken a lot from us, but not our enjoyment oh. of comics. Yes. Oh. And that is a fantastic commission, by the way. Uh, for those of you playing at home, it is, of course, of... Domino, but uh, Tony went all out, did it full spectrum color. It, it's it's giant. What is it, eleven by seventeen? Yeah, it's a full comic board. I've I've had conversations with Jason, you know, where he'll uh, he'll critique artwork, and I was just like, well, we're not going to have that. I'm I'm not going <laughs> to not taking any L's on this one. I'm going all the way. Nice. That's the danger with Jason because he is so in love with original art, and uh, he's he's very excited. Whenever he gets a new piece, um, that when he shows it to us, sometimes my enthusiasm is not in tandem with his, right? And right. I, ha- I have to, oh, man, that's, that is amazing, you know? But there are some where I just flat out tell him, like, I just, uh, that it's not for me. But uh, that's part of fun, like, crit- like critiquing, mixing it up, pointing things out. Like, that, that's all part of the fun for me. But I also... He's he's a lot more serious about collecting art and commissions. Like I like to get a page, and then if the page has something wonky on it, that makes it more special to me because right. it's just like look, look at yes. this fucking guy. Yeah, like a, yeah. like a tangent or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a got a young blood page uh, the other day uh, by Roger Cruz, and there's a hand in the middle of it that could belong to one of three people, uh, and it Ooh. just I find it very charming. I just look at it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because because I can put myself in the in in his shoes and just be like ah hey, you know what <laughs> he was having a rough day just yeah he didn't want to move his hand it happens right yeah. I, I I will talk about a similar page in my in your travels tonight sweet yes so heroes the dust has settled we're all home obviously and uh, it was uh, a long time coming it was two years 
since we've been mm-hmm. there. Uh, anticipa- anticipation was very high. There was almost no way in a lot of people's minds that this heroes would live up to the, the sheer desire people had to get back there. But I got to say, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, I thought this Heroes was as great as the last time we were there. Um, in, okay, so when um, there are certain things that happen at conventions where you enjoy the con or appreciate what, what, what the convention itself offers and, and the people you get to see, the, the, the creators you get to see and talk to or what you get to pick up. And then there's what happens after hours or off the con floor. Right. Um, whereas past heroes, I felt the convention itself um, was a bit livelier and, and had really solid to great deals. Um, this heroes on the floor seemed a bit calmer. And, and we've heard that from, from a bunch of creators so that, that this isn't breaking news. Uh, it was still well attended. I felt that there were still deals to be had, but, but the, the convention itself um, just seemed, I don't want to say subdued, but just seemed a bit calmer than those in the past. The things that happened off of the con floor made this a heroes con for the ages for me this was absolutely one of the best weekends of my adult life right well maybe i should i should uh tweak my comments with a little bit of perspective i wasn't looking for a lot of paper i mean if something came across my field of view sure i would buy something but um i'm at the point where i look in my library and i'm like how much more of this stuff do i need really so, I mean, I bought stuff. I bought, like, what, 40 pounds of stuff. Yeah. But it, the David's right. The dealers that usually had a certain inventory didn't have much of that inventory this time around, which um, in the two years since the last Heroes, maybe they've sold it all. Who knows? But I just thought, like, there was still a lot of really good stuff to be had. Jason had um, multiple copies of Raw. If you were looking for a copy of Raw, one, two, and four, I think, they were there. To to clarify, it's the Jason who we always buy from in New York or Heroes or even Seattle. Yeah. Not not Jason Wood. No, I believe his last name is, is it Levian, I think? Maybe. I I don't know. But, um, yeah, he's a cool dude, always has top-shelf stuff. He had a lot of uh, Fort Thunder uh, paper rad stuff. I bought a a hardcover that I've been fetishing for years. Uh, I saw it the last time we we were at Heroes. He had it. He had it at New York. And I've been putting it off because it was like 75 bucks, And uh, it was fairly heavy. An oversized hardcover, and I was uh, always wanting it because I love everything Paper Red, uh, Fort Thunder. So I made the mistake of telling Chris Pitzer about it, and Pitzer was like, "Yeah, my buddy so and so has been looking at that for a long time. I've been pushing him to buy it." I'm like, "Oh shit!" Because I didn't know whether that person was at the con or not. So as soon as I was done talking to Pitzer, I ran over to Jason's booth and I just bought the damn thing. I think his last name is Hamlin. Hamlin, yes. Why did I say Levian? But, um, yeah, so I mean, there was a lot of, of stuff to be had, like David said, but, um, and, and to their credit, most of it 
almost all of it. There was one table with swords and shit. Um, most of it was comic related or within the spectrum mm-hmm. of of the the worlds of people who buy comics. A lot of toys, a lot of tchotchkes, um, comic related garb, and lots and lots and lots of comics. So I don't want anyone to think that there wasn't stuff to be bought. There was plenty to be bought. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, I I uh, I bought a few things from from Jason as well. I um, I was going through his uh, box of comics journals and. Uh, Found one, um, found an issue of um, Marv Wolfman's court appearance where he was um, suing Marvel over over the rights to Blade. And that actually, I flipped through it and noticed it was continued into Comics Journal 239. So I dug through the boxes a little bit more and ended up finding that issue. So I bought those two things for Jason. I bought uh, bought a book that, that, that Vince swore up and down that i absolutely need to have in my collection it's true uh which is from 1971 it is called comics a hist with an x a history of comic books in america by les daniels graphics by uh mad peck studios and i can't wait to dig into that so i mean yeah jason definitely got some of my money as he always does at a convention um that's a book that should be in everyone's collection that book spun my head around as a kid i don't know why but our school library had it um, and it's it's heavy on the undergrounds, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, very sub, I mean, there's a, there's nudity and there's violence in it, uh, and I don't know why our library had it, but they did. So um, and I read it, and it was right around the time comics book was coming out when I read it, mm-hmm. uh, and my whole world just crumbled. Wait a minute, there's more than spider-man what what is this crap and it also is uh very heavy on the newspaper strips and you know by and but the pulps too so it's like it's the perfect book um i know for a fact will pfeiffer loves it oh good yes uh so there that's a that's a good uh mighty praise right I think I think maybe Will and Zach are how I've heard of that book because I, I don't have a copy of it, but I know it exists in the world. I, I didn't even know there was a copy of it at the show. I'm a little bit jealous, but um, <laughs> what I mean, it's, it's Google somebody who loves like the Howard Cruz cruises of the world. Like it's it, or, or, or if you dig like X Y Z or women's comics or stuff like that, it's definitely something that you want to put your hands on. And yeah, you, you should run to eBay and get it. I, I know you would just absolutely love it. I might. I might just do that. Yeah, there's a lot of copies out there. It's not rare or anything. Um, yeah, it's very easily procured, and it's going to be something that you're going to revisit forever. So, yeah, it's a good book. Say them again. Comics, with an X, mm-hmm. a history of comic books in America. All right, thank by, you. By Les Daniels. Yes. Very cool. Yep. It's wonderful. If you ever take our advice, and I'm talking to the people at home, if you ever took any of our advice, this is the one to take. Get this book. All right. Now, Tony, you'd been to Heroes Con before, right? Like, this this was not your first foray <laughs> into it, right? Never. No, i never been before. This is my first one. Hmm. Uh, and it, it was great. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I almost didn't go. Um, I hadn't been invited or anything. And then last minute... Uh, the Hero Initiative, uh, Jim McLaughlin hit me up, 
and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about we need to bring a creator out because our booths do better when they got somebody there to draw people in. And so they invited me and then they invited Trish, who drew Stray Dogs. Um, and we had never even been to a show together before. So this was a real nice uh, first, uh, you know, first show for us. It was just busy enough where we were always busy working, but it wasn't so crazy. Like, like it wasn't like the show Trish had at Baltimore where it was just, you know, insanity the whole time. But that was, I think, a cross between being right when Stray Dogs was coming out. And also she was charging way too little for uh, her little dog sketches. So we fixed that at the show. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> but I did not buy anything. Um, sadly, I've, I've always dreamed about going there and shopping for original art. And we were set up right next to uh, Anthony Snyder's booth, which I would have gone and dug through because he's got a lot of the kind of like off kilter pages that I like. But uh I, but between the last time I was on here and this time, I bought a house, and so I can't <laughs> I can't buy original art for I guess the next thirty years or so. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <That's, sighs> I will I'm say, pretty, every time we walked by your booth, you were head down, busy drawing, yeah. grinding. Yeah, yeah, we we grinded out the whole time. It was it was pretty good, and it was it was excellent to get to hang out with Trish. You know, we spent so much time making that book together long distance. It was nice to just be able to sort of like, you know, throw artwork back and forth and make little tweaks on each other's things and, you know, just like really collaborate on stuff. It was really fun. She's great. Yeah, she is. She's a real sweetheart. Oh, she, she was a gem. Yeah. So actually I, I was being a little bit facetious. I thought you had been there before Tony. Um, but like you, it was my first foray. Uh, I'd never been to heroes before. So I really didn't have any kind of like baseline, to judge it by, you know, based on, you know, what past heroes cons were like. The only thing I could do is compare it to like something like New York Comic Con or C2E2 or some of those shows. Um, and and I, I can say this, like, uh, you know, hearing you guys talk about the deals and stuff like that, I, there weren't a ton of like wheeling and dealing. I went up to a few folks and like made offers. They're like, nah, it's priced as marked. But compared to like, say, C2E2, like two years ago, um, there were more books in more in one booth than there were at the entirety of C2E2 uh, a few years ago. Like, if you are into comics or if you are into the ephemera around this world, then this is the place you want to go, man. It was ridiculous. Like, the shopping was even even somebody like me who didn't come with like a fat stack of cash to like bring home you know forty pounds. I'm, you know, I'm not rolling in Vince Bonavilla money. Oh my I didn't god, bring home yeah. 40, <laughs> forty pound book. But like that, that was it was really great seeing how much you could just spend like time looking at. And we're talking, you know, of course, they had all the boots with all the long boxes and set up, too. But they had like little boutique shops where folks had like really cool uh, things that you don't see all the time. Um, old, old copies of just side magazines. Uh, I found a booth that had several like early first. I, I can't say they were first printings, early printings of like Robert E. Howard Conan hardbacks right uh, yeah and they wanted 250 a pop for them which ain't bad if you're not you know <laughs> fixing to take the bar in a month and <laughs> trying to get through that uh but it, it was cool um i really appreciated the fact that this was a comics convention and not a pop culture convention exactly I mean, there, yeah. but there were pl- there's plenty of pop culture to go around like there were there were cosplayers you know there's there's no shortage of little pop bobbleheads um lots of lego booth stuff set up but it, it didn't it didn't feel to me like anything like comics was not being overlooked for the sake of, of the general pop populace, if that makes sense. 
um, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, I, let me frame it this way. David and I, as soon as we hit the floor, we did an entire pass of the entire dealer's area mm-hmm. because we want you got to get the lay of the land, right? And mentally taking notes, got to stop here. We're going to go there after, and then we'll make our way all the way down there. But uh, And we did this every day. We surveyed all of the boots every day. And then on um, Sunday, uh, or yeah, I believe it was Sunday, Cliff said to me, yeah, some guy over in the corner had Buzz Sawyer books for 10 bucks." Like the Fantagraphics compilations. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How, how did I not see that? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's got a bunch of other stuff too. But so when we went over, by that time they were gone. It's like there are there's so many things comic related to see and to buy at this show that even though David and I overdid our due diligence on the floor. I mean, we looked at everything I thought, Depp, right? Like yeah. we, we got our hands dirty. And we still missed a whole bunch of stuff. My one regret, uh, Dap found a guy selling 50-cent books. And he had many, many long boxes of 50-cent books. So I'm standing there. And unfortunately, this is my least favorite type of setup ever. He had long box on top of the tables. And he had long boxes underneath the tables i hate i hate that because you'll always and that's what happens you'll always get someone who's perusing the long box on top of the table standing in front of a box below the table that you want to get at and there was a guy doing that and there was another guy squatting down and he's going through and i saw that he was leafing through teenage mutant ninja turtles so the idw stuff and there was a ton of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe books in there, which I didn't buy when they were coming out. And he's going through, and he's thumbing through, and he, and he has his thumb against a Turtles book. And he's thumbing through, th- and he's letting them all fall against his thumb. And I'm like, okay, he's just looking. I'll let it go, and then I'll come back. And so he, ke- he kept going. And he had about three inches of books after his thumb. He picked them all up, slapped them on the table. I'm like, you bitch. He got them all for 50 cents a piece because I couldn't get in there because the dude was standing in front of the box. But this man was braver than I and scooched in around the dude, didn't care. And so he, he to the victor goes to spoils, right? Yeah, I, I was not. Um, this was Sunday and I was I was done. And so, I mean, we, we have shout outs, but unfortunately, I don't have everything in my possession because Mario was kind enough to drive a lot of my Hazari home and he'll ship it to me. So this way I didn't have to worry because I asked on Friday if the UPS store was going to be open on Sunday and I expected them to be. But when we got there, I asked the woman behind the counter and, and she said right now they have no Sunday hours. They may be open for a limited time in the morning, but they have nothing planned right now, even though there's an event going on. So, uh, Saturday they were closed at two, so anything you wanted to ship had to be bought by Saturday afternoon. And lo and behold, we walk in Sunday, and there's a sign, there's a placard on the counter that says uh, Sunday hours two to six. Fuck you very much. So uh, as we're Mario's got all my stuff now in his car, except for the few things I'm going to throw in my suitcase or my um, carry on. And yeah, as Vince said, we find we stumble across this fifty cent 
table and and uh, large table. I wish we had seen it earlier. And or maybe maybe we walked past them and they weren't fifty cents. No, they were dollar in the weekend. The, okay. This this guy does it every time. First love it. First okay. two days are a buck, and then he knocks them down to fifty cents. Because I did see day. right because I I did I, I saw a lot of boxes that were dollar comics, and I'm like these are not dollar comics, man. This is so. I end up um, making my way over to. Um, there are a few series that I I, I do have some holes in, uh, and, and I'm talking about titles that didn't you know go on for a lot of years. But, and one of them is the um, the Judd Winnick, um, Tom Brady, Outsider series, and and for some reason I have up to number thirty seven, and from this guy. I got uh, 38 through 49, so I'm missing number 50, and I'll get that one of these days. But uh, I was able to basically complete that run, and you know, so that was a couple of bucks, and they came home with me. But um, but yeah, I wanted to. I, I was done shopping Sunday, except I did buy a piece of art, a commission from from Tony and Trish. But um, yeah, I just I didn't. Um, I wasn't once I kind of knew where we were at, what we were looking at as far as uh, shipping or how to get things home. And my suitcase was a little lighter heading home than it was getting down for some reason. But um, even then I was still close to the 50 pound mark. So I knew I didn't have a lot of wiggle room in my suitcase. And um, as, as, as tempting as that Usagi slip case that one of us snagged, um, I am, kind of glad that uh my man sold out of his uh, of his inventory before i uh talked myself into getting it well the i don't graphics one yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. my suitcase was really light going down i i don't know i don't know why <laughs> i mean it was it was maybe 15 pounds at the at the most i don't know what was going on but uh so luckily uh when we were coming home mine was like what 43 uh no yours was still the lightest and i think like 38 Oh. Mine was mine was forty three. Jason was four to seven. Yeah, and I carried a bunch of books in my uh, my backpack on the plane. Uh, if if I find a deal last day, I know I'm always yeah. I'm not going to buy any more books. But if I found something that really piqued my interest, I would have bought it and just you know broke my back on the way home. I don't care. I will suffer for my comics. Doesn't right. matter. Doesn't matter. And there were there were there were some dudes who um, had some really crazy prices on something i mean in a good way but then you know closer examination on on the product and like there was a busted spine or a rip here or there or some scratches and it just it, it i'm fine if i do that to my own book but i really don't want to buy a book yeah in shape right i got disappointed because i found the uh masters of the universe um the mini comic book flip i think had the same one in his hand too and this i was looking i was like wow what was it 12 bucks i'm like holy crap i need yeah. this but the spine was all fucked up, like snapped, and uh, I'm not buying that. But it was, I mean, still at twelve bucks for that book, it's still a good deal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, uh, so, so to set it up, then before we get to our guest's first Heroes Con, um, as we traditionally do, um, we drive to Jason's house the night before. Um, I attempted to record something on the drive to Jason's as I normally do. Um, unfortunately, if you... <laughs> Sorry. Get that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what 
<laughs> now you know why I love him so much. Um, I uh, when you go from um, the voice recorder to uh, the voice memo and you, and you switch over to Waze, um, and you have Waze running in the background, if um, if there's a hazard or if it's letting you know about construction or an accident or or, or police ahead, it will stop the recording. And I didn't know that till a few minutes into the recording, and I was talking for about 15 minutes. But uh, so no recording going to Jason's. There was a recording from Jason's to the airport where we had a lot of fun. Um, and then pretty much from that point on, any recording is going to be part of the EOC extra for the patrons at the end of this month, beginning of next month. We do traditionally record from the airport to Jason's house as a, as, as a recap. Um, unfortunately that did not happen this year. And, and, and I am, I will be kicking myself over that for a long, long time. I listen, I it's okay. So Sunday I got by with very little sleep that, that no big deal. We all were, but, uh, I was feeling a little run down as we all left and, and we were on our way to the airport and, um, I just, I, I couldn't hear too well. I was just feeling very tired and I just, I was chalking it up to lack of sleep and just something I ate. Um, I put my mask on, on the plane and I was pretty much out as soon as we were in the sky and, um, and then kept the mask on in the car. But when I'm sick, I just, completely shut down i couldn't hear anything anyway but i just i'm i'm a miserable fuck and and there was no way i was going to be able, i mean i could have held the phone up and just had it's jason talk if they felt like it but there was no way i was going to be able to participate and um and they did lo and behold i i, I take the test tuesday morning and I'm, I'm positive for covid but um so it wasn't the traditional con crud but um yeah thankfully got the shots got the boost and everything so it's not as bad as i'm sure it could have been but um yeah i'll i'll just let everybody know now that uh no no post-con wrap-up except for this episode um for the three amigos on the ride home so that's that's on me well i mean we're giving them six hours plus i think i think that's good okay yeah plus i did a 45 minute improv on the way home Mm-hmm. yep i'm glad you did that oh it's i, I it's a nice story I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. People are going to either love it or hate it, and I, I, I couldn't couldn't care less either way. <laughs> so. That's perfect. Uh, so, Caleb, how was your first Heroes? Oh, dude. Well, I was going to say, so number one, don't feel bad about the lack of a recap, because I'm pretty sure that 70% of the listenership was there and hanging out with us the whole time. Because <laughs> um, Jason wasn't lying, because he, he's been saying for months now that you know the EOC contingent was rolling deep, and roll deep they did. And, and it's not even not even just the, the, the Slack folks, not even just the, the patrons, right? Like every time I turn around, because we, we were kicking it a lot. Like I would look around and, and you guys were getting approached by people saying, hey, I listen to the podcast. Love you guys. You know, appreciate it. So like the 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 listenership contingent was thick. And for me, for me, that was the sh- that was the, the silver lining. Right. Like not even that there needed to be a silver line. That was just the best part. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm actually curious since since Tony was here, because I heard a lot of what you were talking about earlier, Dap, that, you know, there were some creators saying that it wasn't. You know, the, the foot traffic wasn't there. They weren't making a lot of money. I, I mean, I really feel bad for Scotty because he didn't make any money this weekend. 
Uh, Poor guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I hope, hope he can muddle through. Leave, leave, leaving a leave, Scotty's leaving a con. He can only afford one new lake house. It's you know just terrible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, but but no, I'd heard that too. But it was great. Like it was it, it was exciting. And this is my first convention uh, since 2019, right? So like I bought the tickets to HeroCon and the plane tickets and everything else. 2019. Um, was actually going to surprise everybody. Was just going to show yeah. up and just like walk in the room because uh, I think I told I told Dap and I told Arnie. I didn't tell anyone else. Yeah. And and because of that, because <laughs> because I was going to do something awesome, um, we had a pandemic that stepped in and and killed those plans. Um, so sorry about that. That was my fault. Uh, but um, it was it was killer. Um, the 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 like it was even hard to. Honestly, it was hard to like catch a moment by yourself and go do things like flip through dollar books and stuff because every time you turned around, there was someone there that you wanted to talk to. There was someone there that you wanted to catch up with or you'd be walking to a booth and somebody would just yell out your name and you turn around and you'd see the person. But you have no clue who that person is because it's either somebody from the the, the Slack or it's somebody from the, the Facebook page or, you know, what have you, who usually has like a, you know, a, an avatar that's not their their actual face. Um, and then you'd have to like go over and talk and you would catch up and you'd realize who each other were. And then there were you know hugs passed out. Um, and it was it was just exhilarating. Like it truly it truly was. it was the best kind of con where you can go talk to artists. And, you know, unless you were trying to talk to like, you know, Walton Wheezy or, you know, well, not even Scotty, because I was able to walk up and just chit chat with Scotty for a second. You know, no problem um, because his handlers were keeping most of the line at base. So we could have one on one time with you. Um, it, was, it was just packed with people and you could get to folks fairly easy. So I had a blast. Um, didn't like I said, didn't do much, much book diving just because, unlike you guys, my uh, my suitcase was heavy going in. <laughs> so yeah. um, you know, you know, I, look, you got I, I pack a wardrobe when I travel. It's true. You never know what you're gonna need. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're but, not fashion plates. See, I, I was trying to, I was trying to look good. I was trying to impress y'all. Oh, you so, did. Uh, so mission accomplished. Yeah, right. It was nice, uh, but I did grab some like early tales to astonish. I got some of those, uh, some early Incredible Hulk stuff. Nice. Um, one book that I am extremely giddy about is this. It's a hardcover of Harvey Kurtzman's Jungle Book. Yeah. Um, and if that's not enough, that that's not even why I brought it home. Um, I brought it home because it has a an intro by Gilbert uh, Gilbert Shelton. It's got some Dennis Kitchen uh, doing an essay in there, and it's got a conversation with R. Crumb and people, uh, Peter Poplaski in the back of it. Yep. That it's like that conversation with R. Crumb. I want to really dig into um, and see what that's about. So um, mostly, what I brought home was art. Um, I was able to num- number one, t- Tony. Like after you know hearing your voice, talking to you, being friends on the on all the social medias and stuff to actually be able to like, you know, fist bump you and connect with you in person was, was exhilarating. It really was. It was a thrill. Um, it was, it was awesome. Um, and I got to give you and Trish a lot of love because no matter how much money I spent on this trip, it it was, which was, was sizable. Um, I didn't get in trouble for it when I got home because I pulled out the picture of Annie uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, uh, that that the commission of my my dog Annie that you and Trish did for me and gave it to my husband and like anything else was just water in the bridge like he was just like oh you should go do more of these and I'm like yes <laughs> so um, but hey, uh, I had a great time first of all same like uh, it was great to meet you but also 
uh, we we have a real like spouse friendly comic and product that we that we put out. So we're right. always you know making people happy when they get home and uh, kid friendly yeah. apparently. Yeah, spouse friendly, kid friendly, the whole thing. I'm sorry, Caleb. Go on. Oh no, that's 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 well the gist of it. I mean, that's like I went for the people uh, as much as I went for comics as much as i went to go see if i can get any good deals um you know reached out to some creators i got some jam pieces worked on i really did just go for the for the people um so there was there were plenty in your rooms well i was gonna say so we there were there were originally supposed to be six of us um unfortunately d-dub couldn't make it he had to some things changed he was hanging out with family um so but it was it was me it was flippa Arnie, Ray, and Brian. And if you if you know those names and you know those people, all of us were originally we were supposed to get into a suite. Uh, something happened, as you know, there were lots of somethings that happened on this trip. Poor, I, I think Ray saw every airport in the country on this trip. Oh yes. Um, but something happened with the suite. We ended up getting two adjoining rooms, which actually worked out better because instead of like for just multiple reasons, um, and we were able to kick it all weekend, but. It was just like it was like sleepaway camp, right? So it's like when you get to go off and hang out with your besties, uh, and you know, mom and dad aren't there, and you can get into some light shenanigans, um, you know, and you know, the alcohol flowed uh, for some of us, <laughs> and the the food was delicious, and it really was just the company, uh, you know, for as much as I love the comics, getting to meet so many of the people that I talk to every day, like literally every day, um, getting to meet and be like in the same room with them for the first time ever. Um, and to put my hands on people that I have not seen in three years because of the stupid pandemic. Uh, that that's, that's why I went. That's the best part. That That is the best part of this for me. Well, that's the one thing about heroes that other conventions can't match because of the Weston bar, right? Right. Because the Westin is right across the street from the convention center. So many people, creators included, like to stay at the Westin for that reason. And after hours, everybody congregates there. So you'll see Jonathan Hickman walk by or Scotty Young or, or Sanford Green, right? Um, and then you have your friends there and you're all in this big stew of, of, of comic fandom where if 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 you your entitled your entire um association with some of these people is online and then you're suddenly thrust into this situation where you're all in the same room like heroes is the kind of con that makes memories forever and and makes fast friends because it's just all of the things that are happening you really can't take it all in because there's something going on over here and here's someone you you you're meeting for the first time here and it's it's just a whirlwind but uh like it's the little things like going to whole foods and sitting around with your buddies and just shooting the shit right going to the con buying stuff meeting people coming back to the west and drinking having fun it's it's a complete package where in new york you go to the convention and then everybody splits up after the show they go all their separate ways cuz you know it's it's a huge city and the javits isn't really there's not like one place at the javits around the javits that everybody congregates the westin is the perfect it's ground zero and that's why I don't think there's a, a con in existence that could uh, match the joy and grandeur people get from Heroes. It is the best show. 
Yeah, it sort of was like a throwback for me to to like my first shows because when I first started going to shows, it was like Wizard World Chicago, Knuckles, uh, San Diego Comic Con was like one of my earliest shows, and that's you know that was Hyatt Bar for you know up until they just I guess they just knocked I don't think they knocked it down, but they turned it into a restaurant or something. So like that sort of um, like community after the show element of it was super good like just just like such a great environment and also um because because of the way that i sort of like changed up my uh commission game lately i have more like i'm not up in my room drawing all night long anymore and so i could actually go out and get dinner with people and like hang out with people at the bar afterwards and just like really uh like get to do fellowship you know like really get into it and i had sort of like the the professional side and i had the 11 o'clock side which i felt was like the best for me where i could i could go and like you know talk work shit and then i could go and talk nerd shit and i and and sometimes the two would cross you know but it was like a a super uh, like it was really just a great con what a great experience it had i sort of it was fulfilling on all levels yeah you're right you're right you're staying with us next year right (laughs) i'm doing all 11 o'clock shit uh, but there, there may be bigger conventions, and there may be more well-attended conventions. But there's not a better convention than Heroes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if even if this sounds in part, you know, we're we're, we're down on certain aspects of it. It's still Heroes, and it's still it's still a fantastic time. I mean, we got there, we land Thursday, and. Um, we uh, first person we see is Arnie, and then we uh, we finally get the Uber to uh, to the Westin, and uh, and and then that's pretty much where it all starts. I mean, we 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 see Cliff, we see Justin, we see Kevin Quas, we see um, we, we we saw Larry. Uh, we start to see everybody who was there who, who was there earlier. Um, we didn't see Ray until a little later. Um, but uh yeah mario's already there waiting for us and it was just non-stop no but you were never alone the entire weekend i mean even if you went to the room by yourself you were just never alone and it's a good thing uh absolutely 100 percent good thing yeah and i don't like people and i i I, you can't help but be enthusiastic when you're surrounded by like-minded individuals um plus alcohol right plus alcohol yeah well, and I was going to say these aren't these aren't people. This really is family. Like it really, it really is like you're oh, getting together with like exactly. your, your cousins. Yeah. I, you know, I, for, for some of us, it's brothers and you know siblings. But even when you reach out to like all the folks, uh, like you know Anthony Gonzalez, or Anthony Gonzalez, Anthony G, or, or as we call him now, Armando. Armando, Armando yeah. yeah. You know, that's um, a fantastic story. You know, he, he's kind of new to to my world. Like I have, I didn't, I haven't known him that long uh, on the Slack or otherwise. But like, you know, just a few minutes, and you're like, oh no, like yeah, dude, you, you're you're Aunt G's kid. You know, so we we can go kick it. Like your your family, we know how this works, and everybody just kind of picks up. Um, with a lot of us, they pick up right where they left off, like right where the conversations ended online. It, they just pick up in person. Um, for others of us, it's it's all brand new. Um, you. Uh, you know, Brian, Brian Clark and I just, you know, rambled on as, as much as we could. Um, and it almost, you almost feel bad that you don't get to spend as much time with folks as you think you should. Exactly. Um, yeah. For me, I will say like, 
and this is not saying that any any introduction or any experience or conversation with anybody else were less than. Um, but I have been friends with slash doing a podcast with Bill Zanowitz for going on two and a half years now and friends with him for five or six years. Right. We've never been in the same room together. Um, and I finally got to like give Bill Zanowitz a huge hug and just see that guy in person for the first time. Like that's the kind of like lifelong experience that you'll never like you'll never forget, you, you know, and, and it only happens in a place like Heroes Con. Um, where, and, and you know, and like I said, all of these things happen with these people that you talk to all the time. And then you look at the table next to you and Starenko's sitting there holding court. Or, you know, for me, like I see an arm reach up and like wave me over and it's Justin Jordan um, wanting to catch up. And just like, like Tony said, talk shop, um, talk writing stuff, see how everything's going. Um, y- you know, it, it's amazing. I rounded a corner and almost ran over Walt Simonson at one point. Um, and he was just like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 apologies <laughs> all mine. Like, let me like roll out a red carpet for you. Um, it, it, the, the boundaries are almost non-existent. And I think a lot of people feel that way because of how close the uh, in proximity you are. And, and it's that proximity versus the amount of people that you're not flooded with. I think that really helps um, because it's it's not, you know, everybody's not like asshole to elbow. Um, there is enough room where you can navigate. You don't feel claustrophobic, but it, it's also not sparse, right? Nobody's bored. Um it's it was just in, incredible. There were there were so many so many memories made. Um, you know, Ray doing his, his <laughs> safety dance when Mario was yelling at him. Uh, they're just all, all of it's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, have you ever uh, gone to a con and you make your way around the floor once and you're like, okay. Yeah, I saw, I saw it. I don't need to go again. The, right. There's yeah. there's yep. nothing more for, for me here. Yet I have three more days of this, right? That That's a, a bad feeling. But Heroes isn't like that. There's plenty to see all the time. Uh, a lot of it you'll miss because there's just so much stuff. And the aisles are totally unlike New York. The, <laughs> spacious is not the word. There, There's plenty of room to move around at Heroes. You're not bumping into people like in New York. It doesn't take you an hour and a half to get to one end of the, the other end of the con floor. It's just there's a lot of breathing room. And uh, you were mentioning talking to professionals. Dap and I just shimmied on up to Michael Dooney's table, and he mm-hmm. was he was working on something. And we, Dap, what did we talked to him about twenty minutes. Easy, yeah, yeah, and just all about turtles. Like M- Michael doesn't get enough credit, number one, for his accomplishments. Uh, but um, I love the dude. Dap loves the dude, and he has he's he's ingrained in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mythology, right? So we were talking to him about turtles and 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 uh, presumptions about events that have happened in the recent and not-so-recent uh, past, you know, just between entities. And I was transfixed, man. He just was just laying it all out and talking to us. It was awesome. And I didn't want to leave, but I didn't want to also be like, you know, bug the guy i think he gave us enough of his time but i I mean michael's just amazing and uh it was turtles all turtles all the time and it was just great 
uh, you can't get that anywhere else. That's the thing. I, I try to encapsulate what it is about heroes that I love so much. There's a spark that you feel when you get there that intensifies over the, the, the time period in, in which you're there, not only at the show, but again at the, the, the Westin. And then you carry it with you after you leave as Caleb said, with all of the associations and the friendships and the camaraderie that we have there. It is just, I, I don't know if I'm pumping it up too much to make unrealistic expectations for those who haven't attended it, but it is just like, it's the greatest place on earth for that weekend. Well, I think what part of what makes it great for, for you guys especially is the is that it's so much of your community there too, and that that is sort of like an additive to like the con makes the community better and the community makes the con better because i would see like a lot of your guys like they would get a piece and then everybody would freak out about it and then they and then those people who didn't know either they didn't know like that artist was there or they'd never heard of that artist before and now that's something they're going to go check out so it's sort of like it's sort of like the internet existing in real life you know like you post a thing everybody freaks out about it and then they get to go check it out you know that was so cool to watch and yeah. and to be a part of uh for as much as i was away from my table here and there but super cool to to just see people you know like that's the dream you know you're a kid you go to a comic store you have like a slight comic book interaction you know like you on wednesday you get to mix it up a little bit and you're just like, I wish I could do this all the time, you know. And for that weekend, you're just doing it all the time. Yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Anthony G. Armando came up to me, and he had a portfolio in his hand. He's like, Hey, take a look at this. And it was complete, almost completely filled with Matthew Allison artwork. Yeah, yeah. And page after page after page, and I'm like, I, I was trying to get Dap to distract him. So I can like run away with it, but then I would feel bad because he's family, you know what I mean? But just amazing artwork at one after the other. I mean, y'all know how we feel about Matthew. The guy's a genius. And uh, to see, and then he goes at the end, he says, yeah, and you're the one who hooked me up with Matthew. And I'm like, oh, God, that that is the best thing ever to just pass it on, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you make someone aware of something and they love it to the point where they fill up 30-some freaking pages of, of a portfolio with the guy's art. Like, that's that's it. That That's what it's all about, sharing. That's, that's what's cool about this community, too. And it's a, like a out, it grows out of the show in that because you guys do a show that's about recommending stuff, it's not about necessarily, like, critiquing stuff or hating stuff. You don't talk about shit that you don't like for the most part. So... The community that you built is also just a bunch of people that just are fucking geeked about the stuff that they like. And, like, I, I don't think I heard a single 11 o'clocker all weekend talk about some shit that they didn't like. And normally that's, like, half the conversation, you know? It was like, right, no. We dug, and then what's shitty? Right. That's or, I was going to say, or, or the, the other side of that is even, in, even if we do talk about things that we're not necessarily digging, it's not that, like, weird, like, drag it through the mud for the sake of dragging it through the mud. These are all, like... At least everyone that I've met um, that's part of this community and that was there, all very intelligent people, right? Like they're they're not somebody. We're not talking about like the the Simpsons comic book guy character. The, the, these are people who have their lives together. They they are they are intellectual, intelligent, and they can tell you why they dislike something without it just being for the sake of hate, like like to to degrade it. 
Um, it's I, I didn't like this element of the plot, or you know these lines were weird, or this stylistically didn't do it for me, or you know this character, um, you know I thought it wasn't fleshed out enough. So they can they can articulate why the thing is not um, up to what they were looking for, but they don't do it in a in, in a negligent way, right? They don't they don't do it in a way just for the sake of, of doing it, and they always follow it up with some sort of uh, compliment, like oh, but you know it, it was these things, but look if you're looking for these things, if you're into this, or if you want. Um, if you want more of an indie style, if you want something that is is raw, that's not as polished, like this is where you go to live. This is this is completely up your alley. And and in almost every situation, they can tell you who in the community would like it. They can compare it to something. Right. Um, so that that's the coolest part. And and I think Tony hit on it. It really is like having your um, like your really tight knit neighborhood local comic shop in a con. Uh, that, that's just, you know, you can't do, you can't make a move without seeing, um, somebody that you have something in common with and somebody that you want to have a conversation with, um, or somebody, somebody that you want to go on a run with somebody that you want to go to dinner with afterwards, uh, somebody that you want to share drinks with, hang out in the room or have a quiet conversation over in a corner, Uh, you know, no matter what your speed is. There is a branch of this weird family tree that that you guys have, have planted and, and cultivated that allows us to 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 function and to uh, y- you know it's the some sometimes you want to drink straight whiskey but sometimes you want an old fashioned with some really good bitters and you know a, a nice cinnamon stick and a you know a blood orange this extra kind of ephemera on top of it uh, and that's the ingredients that go into making this. Uh, it's that extra stuff. It's not just the straight shot, right? That's very kind of you, by the way. But oh, nice. Yeah, it no. Is, I, mean, I mean, we're lucky true. that we have it every day on the Slack, but it's far more rewarding, and um, it just does my heart a whole bunch of good to actually be in the same vicinity as the people we share every day with, and that for me is is another yet another reason why. Heroes is the bomb, yo. I think I, I think every every listener, patron, slacker, anybody who who I spoke with over the week, I have a story to relate to, associate with every single person I spoke with. At no point am I going to wonder did I ever speak to that person or what the hell was that about? I, I'm going to have there's going to be an association with that individual. Um, for a very, very, very long time. I mean, there's, there's a, there, there's a, there's a hilarious story involving Brian Clark and uh, and Usagi Uchimbo uh, wearing um, slacks, and uh, <laughs> that's that's just a phenomenal little uh, tidbit that hopefully he's going to run with, and and we'll be able to see that concept. Um, bloom into in, in, into other things uh armando anthony g i mean th- that that story with i mean, i'm standing next to ray and jerry mcdade and we're talking with jerry's wife mel and uh and and we're we're daring her to go up to and ask are are, are you tv's mario and we were just going <laughs> to have a blast with it and she's looking around the table and she's like okay well who's that is that is Mario? Th- okay, so that's Tim. Because holy crap, Tim flies from the UK to come to Heroes to hang out with us all. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you know, that jet you fucked in right there. But 
uh, she's going around the table. She's like, okay, so that's Tim. And she's like, and the two handsome guys, which of course is now just how I'm going to refer to Seth and, and Seneca Wilson from here on out. And she's like, and, and Anthony thankfully was wearing a name tag. He had, hello, my name is, and he had Anthony G written on it, but she couldn't read out the whole thing. She just saw the ace. She's like, is that Armando? And that's it. That just, now it's Armando and that's stuck. And that just, it, it was, so it was the two handsome guys and Armando. And I just ran with that the whole weekend. And the, there's, there's a fantastic story involving two complete strangers in an elevator that Jason scolds. And I just, I just cannot ever forget anything about this flipping weekend. Nonstop. Uh, I, it was an absolute blast. Oh shit! If you've ever watched the kids in the hall and you've ever seen the skit <laughs> where Bruce McCullough's working at the bank or the DMV and 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 he loans out his pen, that's oh my god! In person, I'll tell you the story. I I think we'll lose some things uh, trying to explain it, especially without Jason being here, so he can relive it with us. But it was I just seeing everyone laugh and and joke or 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 even even little things that might get somebody upset and just seeing their reaction to things it was just it was an absolute it was it was a it, it, it was it was a weekend that so many of us needed uh it 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 was a weekend where i'm it was bittersweet because uh i should have any other time i would have been home with my wife considering the news that was the the, the yeah. events that happened right before the weekend started or right as the weekend started um and and for so many of us who we 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 need to do something about it uh the heroes kind of happened right at the right time because if we couldn't do anything to fix the problems that we're going to be facing uh, at least we were with like-minded people who we were all in the same boat. We were all uh, happy or, or, or happy being miserable together, however you want to say it. But uh, it was just, it was kind of a perfect storm of a weekend. And, and I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have traded anything for it. Yeah. It was good stuff. And I'm going to give you some more good stuff right now. Uh, and it is heroes related because, um, there was a panel featuring the amazing David Walker, the stupendous Chuck Brown, and the phenomenal Sanford Green, all talking about their uh, landmark work, Bitterroot, presided over by the sign of, you know, he's okay, Jason Wood did, did, did the moderating. Um, and you get to hear the entirety of said panel right now. So listen to this. It's really, really good stuff. I got to tip my old cap to Jason. Uh, he, he's, he's good. So listen to this. We'll be back after. We'll talk about comics and stuff, but enjoy this. I think it'd be good because that way he's late. And then we, can, we can make fun of him. Yeah. All right, we all good? What, what happened? What's the matter, Andy? Um, Chuck was here with his laptop. This guy right here. Oh, they got it connected over there? Yeah. Damn. Huh. Should never get involved. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, ready to start? Hmm? I, I, I was born ready. Oh, nice well, Chuck. 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 <laughs> 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 
Oh yeah, it's going on. Over there. Across the way. I guess right, we're not right, right across the way. And then there he Sanford, is. Yeah. Okay. The man of the hour. There's one. One minute. It's just one at least they guys are eating sandwiches, though. You know, none of you have sandwiches to eat. Sure, sandwiches. Sure. Yeah. I want to make sure there's no, thumb, no thumbnail of it up there. People are going to be like, oh, what's that? Don't even worry about it, man. All right, welcome, everybody. Nice to see a big crowd. Shout out to everyone who took the time to uh, come in. Spend an hour with us. For those of you that don't know, uh, I am Jason Wood. I think we're waiting on Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Right no, you, yeah, you're doing it. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna I, want, I wanted someone to be late. Sure. So, yeah. I was hoping yeah. it would be you to be late. Was like, <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm Jason Wood. I'm one of the co-hosts of a podcast called 11 O'Clock Comics. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just my pleasure to be up here with, uh, well, eventually three, but right now two of the co-creators of one of my favorite comic series the last few years, uh, Bitter Root. To my right uh, is David Walker. <laughs> to my left is our good friend, Sanford Green. And I promise he's coming back, uh, Mr. Chuck Brown, so we'll, we'll give him a round of applause when he gets back. As soon as he walk in, he's going, Chuck, 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 Oh, yeah, that'll embarrass him, too. That'll be a good thing. No, I'll start oh, all right. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, you know, I think first for most of you, I'm assuming if you're here, you, you are a fan of uh, Bitter Root. But I think it'll be great to maybe talk a bit about uh, how Bitter Root came to be because... Certainly, I can remember Sanford, you breaking the news to me. You guys had, you two had just worked on Power Man and Iron Fist. And, uh, you know, that was an amazing series. And then you announced that you wanted to work back together. So how did you two come up with the idea to do Bitter Root? And also, how did uh, Chuck get involved? You want to take that? Um, so I, it was actually they who came up with it. So you we, had the, we, we had the initial idea. And uh, we were ending our contract Chuck, with Chuck. Um, a uh, critically acclaimed uh, series over at Marvel, um, but you know they thought you know it wasn't worth keeping it uh, you know on the shelf. You know it wasn't who that, but um, it was around that time where we had this concept. It was still bubbling, and we were wrapping up uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, and we were like, hmm, this seems to be the perfect time now to start to venture out and branch out and do, do our own thing. Mainly because we saw what Power Man Iron Fist did, a lot of what, you know, from, you know, from the beginning of our uh, time working there, the people that were really excited about it. But then we also started seeing stuff with Black Panther. You know, yeah. that, that, that film made a little change, right? It made some money and it did some, you know, and then we started seeing, you know, some, a few other characters like, um, I think Milestone had just got announced again. And we were like, you know, 
but there's nothing out there really that is creator-owned, right? It wasn't anything at that point. And so um, me and David, we went out to uh, San Diego and had a meeting with Eric Stevens. Emerald uh, City. City, thank you. And um, before we can even say we're interested in doing something, he said yes. And you can see the look on his face, right? Uh, yeah. He was just kind of like, please, we need something. Because he saw it. He knew there wasn't a whole lot of diversity over at Emerald at that point in time. Um, little sidebar, when is the last time there was a, a book that had all black characters created by an all black team at Image Comics? Anyone can guess? Try. Try. How long ago was that? Uh, 30 years. Okay, so there you go. There you go, there's your, your history lesson for today. But um, um, that, 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 that's where we saw that there was a huge you know, opportunity to, to go and make this thing happen. So, you know, for the most part, we started coming together and conceptualize this thing and flesh it out a little, a little more so that we could, uh, you know, bring it to you guys. Yeah, that's, the, that's basically it, you know. Um, Sanford came to me and then realized shortly thereafter that that was a mistake because I'm not easy to work with. I'm very mean. I tend to yell a lot. And, um, you know, so we, we, we lock horns a lot, but that's, that's fine. You would never know by reading the book. That's all that matters. So, um, and, but, you know, we'd, had, we'd actually had a really good time working on Power Man and Iron Fist, and I was really upset when you know marvel was like yeah it's just not working the sales aren't there and i was like so what it's it's you know because because shortly after they canceled that book then they actually lowered their threshold of what it took for a book to get cancers right because we were just we were hovering right at those numbers um but i was you know for me it was like it was a no-brainer it was like let's go have some fun and not worry about like what people from Netflix are saying because the Netflix shows were just coming and they kept saying, no, no, we're not going to let that affect the comic. But then they were trying to. And, um, and so then I, I'd known Chuck, so we just got together and, and it was, the rest is history. We made a baby together and it's, it's a beautiful child. It looks, it's got their eyes, Chuck's eyes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I, think, I think at the time we were all looking for something that showed us a powerful, positive light at the time. You know, think what they did during the Harlem Renaissance, considering what they were facing. They influenced the world. At the same time, being you know, went and murdered and oppressed, and not being able to go into your own club where your own music is being played. So that's why you know, having these family in the Harlem Renaissance, taking the time out to try to cure people of this hate and racism. You know, we're still trying to be those people that somewhat try to turn the other cheek in a sense, but also then split the family as you know what David helped me help us develop is that you know something. They can be cured, but I think their souls need to be amputated in a sense. So, at its core, it's something about we create something empowering to lift us up, lift us all up, and that will run the process. You guys believe that, right? He sounds convincing, right? <laughs> you guys got to be, uh, you know, excited about uh, you know uh, oppression and all those good subject matters, right? I think the other thing too. Let's just be honest. Like the last six years, seven years or so, right? gotten pretty intense mm -hmm. and we were in a place where we're at a crossroads with Marvel and we're starting to realize and understand you know what, what our value is in that system with those characters and who we are as creative people. Chuck is a independent uh, writer at that time 
who's coming in and he's trying to figure things out. How can I fit into this this world where at the time, even at that time, uh, you have to, you know, to some degree to create your own thing and find you some creator or artist or whatever that can go on the ride and create the next cool project, but you're still searching for that. Or you go to Marvel with DC and try to figure out, you know, figure a way through those things. So we are all in this, you know, um, crossroads of figuring out what, where we fit in in terms of who we are as creators, who we are as, you know, honestly black men in this industry at that point in time. And then now all this stuff starts happening around us. So now we're just like an emotional wreck. But at the same time, that's when we started to get really charged to come up with and create these, these ideas um, and, and be inspired by these ideas. Like what Chuck said, we started to look at history. You know, we look at what was happening at present and just took a nice through line back and we saw where we could, you know, tell some stories from that because we can connect with all those things. And that gave birth to the Sangara family, right? So, I mean, the, the, Chuck, you touched a bit on it being set in Harlem in the 20s and why, but um, what's the, what were the roots of, of, of making the characters come to be in terms of were there, uh, how much of, um, you know, folklore is embedded in the creation of the family, whether it be, you know, Haitian folklore or Pan-African folklore, or is it just totally out of your own minds? It's, it's little bits and pieces, and, and um, it was like, we, we knew that we wanted them to have some history that uh, could be tied back to Haiti and the Haitian Revolution, um, and then that they would also have ties back to Africa, but we never wanted to get really specific about it. And part of that was because a lot of that history that came over got lost. And so it was like there's traditions that were passed down, but no one can actually remember where the traditions came from. And then it becomes sort of this Americanized thing. And so even um, like some of the words and terminology that they use are uh, like the genu, which is the the monsters, is a derivative of a word from um, one of the uh, from a Mandinkan dialect, which is a, a West African language, and so like we went through and and we're like picking key words and then going, okay, how can we manipulate these words enough so that it it seems as if they went through three or four generations of being Americanized, right? And and that's sort of what we brought to it, and this um, and then we just started making it up as we went along because it's it's just easier than doing research. Like, who wants to do that? That's like... <laughs> but truth be told, you know, not to break down the room, when we started doing the research, based on what you know our story to be, that research got heavy, right? Oh, yeah. You know, we yeah. were just like, okay, we're going to have to come together and hold hands and, you know, and just kind of, you know, be there for each other and support one another because it was, it was, you know, to not only to see some of those images, but also then to have to depict those images, you know, through writing, through visuals, you know, you have to sit with that stuff, you know? And I think, you know, me and Chuck, we had many a nights where we would just sit, you know, in my garage or, you know, in his garage or, you know, living room and just kind of vent for the most part, you know, because it's happening in real time. Drink. And then we the music and the culture, but as you research, you start finding out about the mobs, the lynching, the murder, 
atrocities, and that's, that's something you can't ignore when you write a book like this. Well, and that's, that's why that era is so fascinating, too, because you have the Harlem Renaissance, which is really the, the, um, the birthplace of what is popular American culture now really began to take shape around the Harlem Renaissance, right? And, and it was this expression of creative freedom. And, and, um, but then on the flip side, it's also the horrors of Jim Crow and lynching and all this sort of stuff. And so it just seemed like this uh, an interesting exploration to get into. And you know, you, when you start out writing something, at least for me, there's the initial idea of what you've got, and then it just slowly starts to build and build. And, and the next thing you know, you're looking at it, it's like, I didn't plan to do this. It went off in this direction. Sometimes the characters start talking to you, and, and there was, oh, there was, there's so much lore there that we don't even, we haven't totally figured it out yet, you know? Yeah. So we've gotten three arcs, 15 issues. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know, it was the uh, winner of the 2020 Eisner Award for Best Continuing Series. Let's hear it for that. You got it, you got The year of the pandemic, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. I was real heated about that because I wanted to go and stand up on the stage <laughs> and be like, yes, what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But no, it was, a, it was a huge honor. It was definitely a surprise. I mean, we were up against good competition. Good yeah. Not even good, great, yeah, great competition. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's very humbling. And I think, you know, that, I think that was the beginning of the time where I think we, I, David, I remember I was driving from somewhere. It might have been a, a class I, I teach at the school. He said, hey, you know, we got nominated for uh, an Eisner. And uh, I'm like, it's always David. <laughs> yeah, you got nominated, right? I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, he, he seems to find out these things before. I think he has some inside, you know, people at the Eisner or something. But he would, you know, text us or, or call us. And, and um, you know, now I'm like, I wasn't, okay, I got to the place where we got nominated the first year. We didn't win. Everyone said, oh, for that. Oh. And, you know, that year was interesting, right? Because we were there, and it was kind of like we're in. And I remember a friend of mine told me, he said, "You're gonna get when you get nominated, you probably won't win. You're yeah. gonna lose the first. But if they give you some inside scoop on this, <laughs> um, you won't win necessarily. But the mere fact that if you have this series going for a while, people are gonna continue to recognize it and, and grow. And you know, that was never my intention. And you know, our intention that you know, win Eisner. That wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. Just, Again, we had all this angst and we wanted to tell these stories. And um, so Dave calls me and it played back what he said. He said, the second year though. <laughs> That's when I'm like, oh, now I'm sitting here, I'm a nervous wreck for like a week. I'm being rude to my wife because she's like, why are you so, you know, on edge? I'm like, I don't know why. I mean, I just, you know, because it was all that neurotic stuff that, you know, we tend to have as creators. Well, it was really weird was this year's nomination because I was reading through the list and I was like, oh, they messed up. Like they, they, they didn't change the, the, the names. And then I honestly thought it was a mistake. And I was just, I was like, and this is just ridiculous. They can't even get their act together and da, 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 da. And then, and then I saw a couple other things further down the list. I was like, wait a minute. This is, and I was like, we got nominated for the fourth time. And then, and I, I can't remember who I called and they were like, yeah, like, is that a surprise? And I was like, well, to me, it's, 
I don't want to turn. I didn't want us to turn into Susan Lucci, but then she's you know no, you got the W, so you're not Susan Lucci. Yeah, you, got, you, you want to be Meryl? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right, so, right. Right. right, right. Susan Lucci, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned the, the the struggles, and obviously, especially the last few years, I mean, have been pretty crazy in in the modern times. And um, you know, I think that one of the things about Bitterroot that's so effective is that. Uh, you insert us into this family that we don't know. I mean, you guys made them up, mm-hmm. and immediately you you establish these relationships, and they're very tangible. You know, they feel very real, and I think that's not because they're, they they are an imperfect family, right? Like yeah. we all have like families are not perfect, right? Uh, and you you have, you have the crazy uncle, you have the you know you, you have all of that, and um, so I mean I'm always fascinated with the idea of co-writers. You know, I mean we've all read a ton of comics. How, how does that process work? I mean functionally, like do, do you guys just have some jam sessions and like whiteboard stuff. I mean, how do you, what does co-writing mean? Like, does one of you script? Well, there's nothing functional about it. It's all <laughs> very pure, dysfunctional. yeah, very dysfunctional. Um, you know, it's it's uh, there's there's spitballing of ideas, and then and then there's me bullying and and steamrolling over Chuck, and then calling him up and going, "What do you think of this?" And then the next day, changing my mind and going, "Yeah, what, that thing that you thought was a good idea, it's not a good idea anymore. Let's change that." Um, but a lot of it's just. Like, you know, trying to have an idea of where we wanted to go with the story. That's for me. But then there was a moment where um, really early I was like, you know, we can't, you can't cure racism. Like, that was the big thing. And it was like, how, what are we going to do? Like, we've painted ourselves into a corner. This is like, this is going to be irresponsible storytelling. So then there was a lot of bouncing around of ideas. But fortunately, the, at the beginning with what Chuck and Sanford had, there was a family. There was always the family. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it was like, as long as we don't lose sight of the fact that there's a family and that there's family dysfunction, mm-hmm. we're always going to have an interesting story to tell. And right. we, could, we could even remove the monsters. We could remove, we could set it in another era. We could always find, because there's nothing more entertaining than watching someone else's messed up family. Right, because you, you're always you're you're taking notes. You're like, okay, they're worse than me. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, so right, right, right. right. And, I, and I think to that point, once we started to flesh that out and, and look at the different, you know, dynamics, the family dynamic, it made it that much more uh, of a rich story. Because I mean, how many comics are out there about you know monster hunting and all those kind of things? But of, of course, what we use in terms of you know. The, uh, the cultural, you know, diaspora, or whatever, of, you know, what we what we deal with um, in, in that historical context. Yes, that that's you know something a little different. But then let's put this family element in there. It kind of helped to to some degree, for, for lesser words, smooth this over because the subject matter is pretty heavy, right? So let's put this family dynamic in there. We all can relate to that. We can all relate to those other things in many ways, but the family dynamic is very straightforward because we all got, like you know, you said earlier, we got the crazy uncle. We can relate to that. You know, we got that supportive, you know, uh, uh, the matriarch. We have all those types of, you know, dynamics. And then we have those folks in there that, you know, are a little more difficult or, you know, they're, they're, they're distant or whatever and so there's so many different facets and so even with those uh with that element i think that i think we played on that honestly more and in the back it's almost like a walking dead show it's like the zombies are kind of in the background it's right the periphery, right right yeah yeah and to the question of co-writing you know you see a finished product but for me david and sometimes sanford it's, it's just a jigsaw puzzle right 
some of them have the end piece or the middle piece, we're kind of putting it together and we're arguing and trying to, you know, bang in pieces. Square bang around. But in the end, you know, it all comes together when you get the finished product. You know, there is no really straightforward method in sure. I use, honestly. Sometimes it's an outline, sometimes it's a first draft, and a second draft, or third draft. But, you know, in the end, it all comes together. This can be kind of messy getting it together, but. Which is absolutely amazing that we're able to get to be where we're at right now. Because there are many of creative teams that I know of that they have all this quote-unquote structure or whatever, and it doesn't last that long. It kind of falls apart or whatever. Um, for us, I think the, the through line for all of us is that we all have a similar story in terms of how we got in this industry and you know where we were at at that point in time, even though there was different levels, it was still kind of the same basic. We're three black creators trying to make it into this, this industry, but we don't want to just do the run of the mill thing. So our experiences is what made everything unique and we you know, took, took it off from there. Yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but you know, with us, it's like we take turns dragging each other, kicking and screaming to the finish line, you know. Sometimes <laughs> we might, one of us might get too depressed and all that, not frustrated. And, and on, I, know, I know, you know, around the 2016, 2015 elections, you know, Sam was like, we gotta get this out of here. This is the time we gotta get this out of here, you know, things like that. You know, so we always, you know, one of us kind of gets down or gets behind, we kind of drag it to the finish line and we support each other that way. You know, no matter how bad or frustrating things got, there's always one of us or two of us you know, dragging the other one to the finish line, dragging each other to the quote-unquote promised land. <laughs> right. Milk and honey. Yeah. I mean, Sanford, you mentioned that when you guys announced this, there weren't many, if any, all-black creative teams making a book featuring black characters. Um, so I'm curious, you know, we're now, what, five, six years later. I mean, do you, number one, I mean, have you had, have you felt like you guys have, have served as a, as a beacon for that, like that feedback from younger creators of color that, that uh, you know, say, hey, thanks for paving the way, showing us we can make our own creator on comics and make a living. And, and two, do you think, uh, you know, the comic industry is, is in a better place in that regard, uh, you know, half a decade later? Ooh, it's a lower than right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right. Well, well, you don't have to have for months, right? Well, Kari and, 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 and Brandon have, uh, have excellence, and that's a great book. Sure. Um, and there's a, there's a few others that have popped up, but I, I really think like with, there's a whole bunch of like black indie creators that for one reason or another, and I was talking to a couple of them this morning, like I can't tell if they just don't care to work for Marvel or DC or if Marvel or DC are just that clueless that they haven't found them yet, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like Greg Anderson, Elise is, is a great writer um, and there's, there's, there's quite a few out there. Um, and, and I hear from them a lot, and, I, and, and the thing I tell them is like, yeah, you don't need to go to work on someone else's plantation, right? Like, like sneak in late at night, steal some seeds, and then go start your own farm, right? Um, and, and, and that's what I would like to see, because I feel like, you know, if you, if you get to work for Marvel or DC, hey, that's great. You get to scratch that childhood itch that you might have had, but there's, there's so many... Um, there's so many rules that they apply to you. There's so many, you know, little changes they'll, or big changes they expect you to make along the way. And it's never truly yours. It's never truly your voice. And, and so I'm, I'm always telling indie creators, 
Like, I, I think that this medium and this industry is on the verge. Like, it, like there has to be significant change. And I don't know what it's going to look like, um, but down to, you know, the content that's being made and how it's being read and, you know, it's, there, there's so many things that can happen. And, and I just feel like, and we've been talking about this a lot, like, we, we have this responsibility as not quite older creators, but we're a little bit older than some. It's like, what can we do to help open the door or create opportunities for other people? And because and, and, to me, that's a really important thing, right? Because um, if it wasn't for some of the creators before me and before us that helped open the door for me, like, where would I be right now? Where would we be? Right, right. right. Dennis Cowan. Is, Dennis I, Cowan. I consider him uh, a mentor, Brian Stelfreeze, folks like that. Um, especially... Um, I would, I would probably say, you know, you know, rest in peace. Dwayne McDuffie was a yeah, guy yeah. that um, he reached out to me when I was, uh, I, I was still trying to figure, you know, figure out uh, the Marvel, you know, mainstream thing. And the first thing he said, "Dude, how would you do your own stuff?" Yeah. And I, I was kind of like, "Why would I want to do that? I want to draw <laughs> Spider-Man because that's the, you know, the cool thing." And this, you know, we're talking. 15 years ago, right? And, um, but he was super, um, he was a big advocate for, you know, that whole thing. And just think about how forward thinking he is, because that is all these kids are thinking about now. That's what we're doing, right? But um, he used to rail me for, for just wanting to draw for Marvel in DC. But I'm like, what, you, you, you're already doing it. I want to do it too. Why can't I right, do it? Right. Right? But he was just kind of like, nah, it's not what it's cracked up to be. But I'm like, well, let me decide that for myself. But, you know, if it's that, but he was right. You know, he was, um, he was 100% right. right. He was 100% right. And, and, and that's the thing. I remember, because he passed away in 2011. Yeah. And I remember that year being at San Diego Comic-Con. I think that's where we kind of got reacquainted. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't really talked in a while. Yeah. And there was, there was a small group of us. John Jennings was there mm -hmm. and a few others. And, and we were like directionless, like without Dwayne McDuffie there. He would, Dwayne would sort of hold court and he would walk through the crowd and he would follow around him and ask questions. And that was just how he, like, that's how he mentored a lot of people. And, and we were talking, we were like, we're, we're leaderless now. We don't have anybody, there's nobody to really turn to to ask for advice. And, and I shouldn't say there was nobody because there was Dennis and there was a few right. other people. And, and I remember John Jennings, myself, Stacy Robinson, um, I think Jeremy Love was there. And we were just like, you know, this kind of this horrific feeling of like, yo, now it's up to us. Like, like I knew I felt like I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't ready to be giving out like any sort of advice or career or anything. But it was like, there's not anybody. Because Dwayne wasn't that much older than me. He's only like seven years older than me, right? Um, and so that was this, this tremendous responsibility because it felt like we had lost our single biggest advocate. And, and that sort of has shaped a lot of my philosophy over the last, I mean, it's hard to believe he's been gone for um, a decade. Yeah, yeah, a decade, yeah, yeah so. Mm -hmm. um, so Sanford, you yes. are, you know, uh, you knew you were one of my favorite artists, you know that? Oh, yep. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell him that. No, he so, knows it, he knows it. his head's <laughs> but, uh, but you know, certainly comics are a visual medium, that's why we love them. 
And uh, you know, I think again, the Bitterroot the bitter world. I mean, the tapestry that you guys built with you know the other dimension of Barzak and you know all of these creature designs and, and the tapestry of, of 20s Harlem, you capture it all so beautifully. Um, so you know, talk a bit about your process in terms of visualizing these these places and these characters. And also, did you ask your co-creators if it was okay to make yourself one of the characters? Because we all know that Berg is you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Berg is Chuck. That's oh, well, it looks like him. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, okay, as far as the, the, the aesthetics, um, when we decided to you know go in the direction of Harlem Renaissance, that was kind of like a no-brainer. It just felt like it's already there. All the the life and the, the, the visuals and the, uh, again, the aesthetics, you know, the Harlem Renaissance era was just such a, a, a vast, you know, um, design, you know, mecca, you know, honestly, that's where the, the, the Harlem Renaissance was just uh, um, all about visual and, you know, style and, you know, and, um, you know, the whole steampunk aspect of it was kind of like, maybe that's what, you know, uh, it, to me, it was almost kind of like, why hasn't anyone done this before us? Because it just, it just sets itself up, you know, nicely in terms of, you know, that era in the steampunk, it just felt so natural. You know, Victorian is, you know, obviously uh, a lot of what steampunk is, but in that moment, in that time, there's a lot of that happening in that time period too, as far as the visuals and the, and the style. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, uh, Chuck said it earlier, like we got a puzzle piece. That was an easy puzzle to me, you know, because I just looked at what was already in place and threw a little steampunk element behind it. And, um, you know, we have what we have right now. For now. Mm. For now. For now. Yeah. So obviously uh, Hollywood and comics are ubiquitous now. Um, and I know you probably can't, uh, Give too many details, but it would be remiss of me not to bring up that uh, Ryan Coogler of uh, Black Panther fame optioned uh, Bitter Root to make a film, what, two, three years ago? And I believe Regina King was named as the uh, potential director uh, mm -hmm. last year. So first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? Now I realize that uh, you know these things can go in a lot of different ways, but I'm just curious. Uh, hey, you know, maybe give us an update how things are going. You know, how involved do you guys get to be? How excited are you? The, well, I just cash the checks when they send them. True <laughs> um, <Shoot> that. <laughs> well, so Legendary optioned it, and then they they brought in Ryan Coogler, and and that was a funny thing because when we first were meeting with Legendary, they were like, okay, who's on your A list, right? And we all had Ryan Coogler on the list, and they were like, yeah, there's no way you're gonna get Ryan Coogler. There's no way you're gonna get him. And then it was John Jennings who curates the back matter at WonderCon that year, walks up to me and he goes, hey man, I hear Ryan Coogler loves Bitter Root because I know the guy at Golden Apple Comics. And so then I got on the phone and called Legendary and said, Ryan Coogler likes it, call him up. And so that came together. And then shortly after Regina King came on board as director, um, and, and unfortunately, you know, her family had a tragedy earlier this year. And so she kind of pulled back for a little while, but everybody at Legendary and, and Proximity, which is um, Ryan Cooler's production company, everybody was like, we're all in agreement. We're just gonna let Regina do what she needs to do and make a decision based on where she is emotionally at this point. 
And then I guess it was like probably what a month or two month ago, or two. Yeah. we got we got an email and said, you know, Regina's back. She's she's you know working through this, and she found some writers that they're still in the process of vetting to make sure. Um, but she's really committed. Yeah. And yeah. and then the other thing that had happened was. Um, like Dune won a lot of Oscars for for legendary, like a lot of technical oh, okay. Oscars and stuff okay. like that. And you know they didn't know if they were going to do a sequel to, to Dune, and then it kind of blew up, and now they're doing the sequels and everything. And and so I think whether you like it or not, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and and so legendary, like they got it in their eyes. They've got their they've got one of their franchise hits now, and so that's what they're looking at Bitterroot for. And and like no pressure. We, yeah, no pressure, and as long as they don't cast like Ezra Miller, we're going to be okay. So, um, but, he'll be a Janu, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's it's a lot of it's it's positive. It's it's but like Sanford said, you can just it can take forever, right? You know, like the, like the boys at Amazon has been in development for ages. And, and everybody's like, most people are like, oh, this new comic called The Boys. And the rest of us are like, no, nah, man, that's been old. Yeah. You know, so. I, I gotta share this story. It's kind of a nerd out story. So um, I was, I wanna put him on the spot with my son and my wife on the front row over here. So he, he uh, oh, you wanna clap for that? Clap for yes. He's 14, so he's at that age where yeah. everything is like a problem. Right? But, uh, um, yeah. Um, so we were, this is back when he was uh, 12. Well, no, not that old. Eight, nine, ten. I can't remember. Anyway, we're at the hospital. He broke his arm. I'm feeling like, oh man, this is a bummer. He broke his arm. Feeling kind of down about that, right? And we're in the emergency room. My agent texts me, dude, where are you at? I'm like, I'm not gonna answer this right now. Like, something going on. Texts me again, dude, I need to talk to you right now. Okay, should I talk to him? No, I'm not gonna do it. Then he calls me, I answer the phone. He said, dude, where are you? And I couldn't even really say just yet. He said, where you are? I hope you're sitting down. And I'm like, yeah, I am sitting down, that's for sure. He said, dude. Ryan Coogan signed on with us. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Emergency room, right? So that, you know, that went over well. <laughs> so, um, and then the second story was uh, with Regina. I think it was a lawyer, a lawyer yeah, said, yeah. hey, congratulations on Regina. I'm like, Regina who? <laughs> you got Regina. I'm like, like as in King? And that's when I really lost it because, you know, She's no slouch. Yeah, sure. a couple of Oscars and yeah. some all, you know. So, just to think about, we were in a room, you know, four years ago, feeling, you know, all these things about the state of this world, and we got to use our creativity to, you know, say something, and that's all we wanted to do. And now, you know, it's making this connection with that caliber of people who actually are connected to it. They're not just like seeing this as a, a payday. They care about the conversation. Right, right, right. 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 I mean, you, you all had a fully satisfying 15-issue arc, right? I mean, it, it paid off, which is great, because, you know, sometimes things uh, never get a chance to finish. But uh, but I guess the question that, that a lot of us have is, you know, is that the last that we're going to see of the Bitterroot crew? I know. Is that the question that people are wondering? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I 
guess we want to do a drum roll. For yeah, this. someone give us a drum roll. So, we came up with this idea. You came up with Google? Yeah. <laughs> so, there's your answer. We don't need Bitterwood anymore. <laughs> The um okay, we're waiting for, for waiting you to record it. Of course. And now like, wait. <laughs> Yeah, so we've been kind of thinking about, you know, what do we do? How do we follow up with, with what we've done? And we, we knew issue 15 was going to end what that particular story we were telling. Are we going to do some more? And then we spent the better part of the last eight, nine months really talking some stuff over, bouncing a couple ideas around. And I think each one of us went through a phase where we were each like – we need to go back to bitter root. But none of us were saying that at the exact same time, right? So it's like Sanford would say, well, let's do this. And then I would say, well, let's do that. And Chuck would just, Chuck would do what Chuck does, and he would just go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is, yeah, sure. it's okay. Well, we, like, I'm waiting for him to get really mad one day, and then we know it's like trouble, right? It's like. You're not paying attention. Yeah, right. You're always mad. You're always mad. <laughs> yeah, but so. Um, do they ignore me? You know me? <laughs> So we just talked about it, and, and it, was, it just seemed like we got to do something, and we got to do something um, with the world itself. If not, like I felt like we'd already done the 20s, right? We'd already done the, the Renaissance, and so we talked about it. And there was a couple other ideas that we'd been kicking around, and, and one of them was, it was one that Chuck and I were working out that we're potentially going to do all three of us. And it was like, well, why don't we just do this as bitter root instead? Mm. Like why, yeah. why try to reinvent the wheel when all we can do is we, we've got all the, the pieces in play, all the, the, the world is built. And, and I just kept going like, okay, we made a statement about the twenties. Like what's the next era to really make a statement about? Right. And, and, and the, the common sense answer was like, let's do something like late 40s, right? Right after World War II. And it's like, nope, let's skip that and go to like the 60s and just see what happens. And, and, and so we're, we're putting it all together and I still think 65 is a little too late. I think we need to go 62, 63. So this may change. To me, But now I think, yeah, but what, what will, I think what really inspired this time too, though, from a visual standpoint, was we 
are huge fans of Kirby, mm-hmm. right? And we started talking about just aesthetically, what can we do that will still have the same energy that we were putting into uh, the previous story arcs, but still be something that's different that will make you do what you did just uh, five minutes ago, make you go, oh, wow, that is a whole nother thing. But it still has the, the, the aesthetics, or at least the, the, the groundwork there. All right, I guess our time is up. Is that happening here? But, um, you know, um, huge fans of Kirby, challenges of the unknown, any, oh, nice. oh, yeah. any folks that are fans of that? Imagine black people in that setting, right? Um, you know, um, you know, uh, Storenko's um, shield, shield stuff. stuff. Yeah. Okay. You know, just think about that era and what that means. And then we, we're taking the same, you know, premise that we have from our stories and just putting it in that setting. So that's where we're going to go. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some crazy Kirby-like, you know, visuals and, you know. Uh, the, the, and the Kirby stuff was really like, a, is huge. Like not to downplay it, you know, I'm a, and I've just been going through this phase. During the pandemic, I went back and I was reading a lot of old stuff that, that Kirby had both written and drawn. And then also looking at a lot of EC stuff and, and really thinking about, okay, what is it that we could do that's, that's along the same lines of what we've done, but is different. Let's not, let's, if we, we do have to reinvent the wheel a certain amount. And I was really like, I love Challengers of the Unknown. I love Fantastic Four. And, and that's what I kept coming back to. And the thing I love about Fantastic Four is it's about a family, right? Um, and then I was also like looking at some old Hanna-Barbera stuff from the late 60s, early 70s, stuff like the Herculoids and all that stuff. And, and, and it was like, this is it. This is, this is the direction we want to go. But Sanford wanted to, he, he, was, he kept leaning towards doing something more superhero, right? And, and I was like... Well, not necessarily. That was an idea in general. Just yeah. so we wanted to yeah. do something together. So right? you're yeah. saying in real time what we deal with. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to do something together. We were bouncing around all these ideas, and that's right. why they was like, we got a bit of root. Let's do more bit of root. Right. Know? And that's kind of why we kind of started settling and brainstorming ideas a bit of root. We had so many different ideas for different characters and different worlds. But, you know, it's best just to expand this great revenue that we had. Right. People love it. People keep asking us about it. So I think that's part of it was you did um, you did uh, WonderCon? Yeah, I was at WonderCon this year and that was so this is how fresh this is. WonderCon was in April and, and I, I think I was at the show and yeah. I either called or texted you guys and I was like, no, this is what we're doing. Like we have to that was the one question. So the one question I kept getting asked is What's next with Bitterroot? What's next with Bitterroot? Yep. This weekend, it's been like just all of you showing all the support. And it was like, it's weird because not only when you're, as a creator, you spend all of your time locked up in your home or your studio working, right? And then you throw the pandemic on top of that, which removed us from these sort of interactions, right? right? Random, right, right and, yeah. and so like this is... We did New York in 2019, but we haven't done anything together, and, no. and it's really been, like, like, I knew at WonderCon, it was, it was like this validation of like, okay, no, we're on the right track, and if anything that we do that isn't bitter root, people will be like, okay, this is good, but it's not bitter root, so why would we do that, right? <laughs> you know, it's... it's it, it, and I think, to, to that point, too, it's one of those things where, you know... We, you spoke, you spoke about the validation part. 
you know, we've been in this pandemic for three years of not really seeing a lot of folks, right? If you really kind of look at the totality of it. So you're thinking out of sight, out of mind, right? Who's really checking for us at this point? Not, not to say that we, we knew we were still doing our books and we have our fans, but in terms of just the, um, what do you want to call it? I guess pop culture in general, right? At the cons is where you really get to see in real time and, and then you get more supporters, you get, you get these panels, you get all this stuff in real time. So not having that, you're kind of like, well, we're only left to our devices, you know, let's tweet this out, I'll, you know, share this thing. And, you know, you get your comments, but it's all like through text and messages, but to hear voices and applause and you're like, oh, wow, okay. I think we're, you know, we need to keep going. I guess we'll be doing this for the next decade. So. Yeah, please. Everybody insight into how mental I get, right? I'm, and I haven't even shared this with Chuck or Sanford. Oh boy, here we go. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not in on a. You know, no, no, no. But okay. it's like I'll be like, I, I, I haven't seen any Bitterroot cosplayers. We're, we're failures. Like, like we we haven't gotten there yet, right? Because that's that feeling. There is no weirder feeling than when someone cosplays a character that you've written, but when it's your own character. And so I've just been like. Quietly, you know, at WonderCon, I was like, "That's like, please let there be a cosplay, please." please. And there was none. And at this show, I've been like, "Please let there be a please." And it hasn't happened yet, but in due time, I, yeah. I have seen a few. Have you? Okay. Baltimore. Oh, really? There was some. There was some. That was in Baltimore, y'all. Why were you doing it in Charlotte? That was the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can you, when when can we expect uh, the first arc? It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready when you are. Yeah, I, realistically, I think realistically, in order for us to do the best job that we can do, and with the workload that the three of us have, it'll be June of next year. So, sure. it's, um, but we're also hoping we can. I guess we can say this: we're trying to get everything together for a, a, a hardcover collection of the first three volumes. So it just, it seems like we're, we're like, just put it on your calendars. Juneteenth, 2023 will be uh, a bitter root popping off. So. <laughs> but you notice that, you know, one of the main characters you see here is Blaine, right? So you'll definitely get to see a lot of familiar characters, but also a lot of descendants of the family and, you know, a lot of new characters. You get to look forward to that. And me and David, that's an idea about how to make the genome and, you know, the monsters in our stories evolve in a sense to kind of reflect, reflect our own, I guess, frustrations about the world right now, past and present. Sure. So, and I guess to kind of go a little deeper into that, um, Blink is now like the matriarch of the family. Right. Think of her as the, you know, she's not, you know, Ma Etta level, obviously, right? Um, she doesn't, you know, she's not, you know, hunched over like with a cane. She's up, you know, right. But she's kind of like the Nick Fury now. She's more <laughs> of that. So just think of, you know, an older Blink who's you know, pretty hardcore. And, and that's the other thing too, like we were talking about how to shift, um, like, and going back to the, like the, the Kirby influence and even the Stan Lee influence of like what we saw in the 60s, like those storylines. So there's gonna be a, a bit more sci-fi in this than there was, there's still gonna be the fantasy element, but this is gonna be more fantasy sci-fi than fantasy horror that the first, right, right. that the first, uh, three volumes were. 
And, and we're still, honestly, we'll be figuring it out like the day. And that there's no one more stressed out than Shelly Bond, our editor, because she's like, oh my God, you guys are, and she's, she's constantly texting me, are you really doing this? Are you really? I'm like, yeah, and you're coming along, so. And she's, she's really become the, the, like the fourth crucial member. I, I can't say enough about Shelly Bond. She is like the most amazing editor I've ever worked with. And if you guys, just to kind of give some context to who she is, she, she's, she's responsible for a lot of things that you're, like some of your fan favorites, Sandman. Um, oh gosh, what's the, uh, the the fantasy story that? Uh, oh, fables. Fables. Yeah, fables. He said Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, fables. She's responsible for a lot of the comics that are like mainstay uh, today, and you know, doing all these great, you know, multimedia deals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. So we have about ten minutes left, so we want to make sure we have some uh, time for Q and A. So if anyone has questions, by all means. You mentioned the back matter and the single issues earlier, and I really appreciate uh, and enjoy uh, that context in, in the issues of Bitter Root. Uh, how did the decision come about to add that to the issues, and who was, who was involved in that curation process? Well, it was, I think we knew we wanted something in the back. And, and I was... Um, that mattered. That mattered, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine DeLandro with, uh, they were doing some pretty amazing Bitch stuff Planet. on Bitch Planet. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, I'm going to just steal from, I want to steal from their playbook. Mm-hmm. And, and then John Jennings, who's just like the master of, of a lot of things, we, we reached out to, to John. And all three of us work, have worked in education and worked in academia. And, and it just felt like, let's give this, we, we have an opportunity that not a lot of other comics are having, that a lot of other teams have. We're going to hopefully get some attention. Let's, you know, let's bring more to it. Let's bring, and, and that was it. And so John's really, um, like, that, that, that whole back matter section, we each threw out different ideas for people who could write essays or, or different yeah. subject matters. And, and, and at this point, he's on board for this next arc. We'll see what kind of crazy deal he has that he can't do it. They've been in San Francisco teach at the university, but I was a, before I did come full time, I was IT in the history department, right? So while we're developing this, I'm always going around the office, fixing computers, and I ask some questions, and see books on the shelves, and, and get a lot of feedback from them, and I have a lot of respect for them. So when John Jennings was excited about this, that just blew my mind as a scholar, <laughs> excited about something that we're doing and want to be a part of it. So that was really, that was really a, an awesome moment for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Sure, go ahead. So with, um, one of the things I love about this series and other historical fiction is that give us a chance to tell stories that we aren't typically like taught in school. You guys have so much important context and history embedded throughout the story. One of the things that I was thinking of is I was doing like the Red Summer special. I was like, wow, my grandmother was two years old when this happened. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like everything that seems like so far away really was like my grandmother was alive when that happened. So, like, you guys are talking about 1965, you're talking about, you know, potentially um, Blake being part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Have you guys like thought about what types of history you're going to embed in that? Because like that's the civil rights movement. You guys can have like total cultural, like the FBI. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you right now. We are not calling this Bitterroot 1965. There's. We got another subtitle that 
will shock everybody and, and get people riled, and, but it will say exactly what this is about. But, but the re, there's a reason why the first half of the 60s, when you really, if you really get into the study of the civil rights movement, and you know, not to mansplain it to anybody, but there's just so much, 63, 64, especially with the freedom marches and SNCC and all the stuff that was going on and, and the split that happened between Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam and, and the growing black power movement. It's all of that. And so we're figuring out how to work in, if not that stuff directly, like metaphors for it, but even just like, you know, um, and, and even going into the, the late 50s with like, um, you know, the Little Rock Nine and, and Ruby Bridges. And, and this is like, we're going to see some of that stuff happening and really getting into um, the way Bitterroot ended, the, 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 that arc that we just did, like when we come back, it's going to be 40 years later and, and things are not better, right? right. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the terrifying thing, right? Because we now know things still aren't better. And, and so our responsibility, or at least my responsibility and then by default their responsibility because I'm the one who's always yelling at them they will tell you I'm the mean guy but it's He's like mean guy. <laughs> we part of what entertainment does is it, it, it helps process the traumatic things but it also gives us stuff to laugh at things to aspire to things that inspire us right and, and that responsibility should never be taken lightly and, and I feel like I'm very blessed to be in the position that I'm in, and I'm truly honored to be working with these two incredibly talented guys, right? So it's like we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep, like, we have to break down the doors for the next generation. And, and I'm not, like, my ego is big enough to say I want people 20, 30 years from now. I want young people saying, oh, yeah, I read this book, Bitter Root, and that's why I'm making comics now. And, oh, we met them at Heroes Con 2022, and I was eight, and now I'm – and that's what I said to Ron Wilson. I met Ron Wilson. I was talking to him on the floor today, and I was just like – he was the first creator I ever met. He also happened to be a black creator, and it was like – I was 13. I was like, I can do this? That's what we need to be doing, and so that's it. I realized Ron Wilson was black like five years ago. <laughs> I was like, where have you been all my life? Yeah. And he did one of our variants for the first yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so you guys have mentioned some of your, your the, the people who visually inspired you, um, but we haven't really talked about any of the writers that inspired you literarily. Um, considering the subject matter of Bitter Root, uh, the Harlem Renaissance and stuff, uh, were you guys thinking about uh, in the family dynamics of everything, were you guys thinking about uh, you know, James Baldwin? When oh, you guys oh. <laughs> as, as a reader, when I read this book, it was very easy for me to like just have James Baldwin sitting on my shoulder while I was reading this and channeling this. And now you guys are writing a book set in the sixties when he was actually working, not just the era that he was writing about. So I was just curious how much of an effect James Baldwin's work has on what you collectively. Do you want to answer first? Oh, James Baldwin. He's a, he talks to me while I'm writing, and and he talks to he me. He talks to me while I'm drawing. In, this, in, in that in that sort of mid-Atlantic voice he has, with that cadence, and he'll say, "Okay, now, what I want you to do is I want you to have Berg say a very big word, <laughs> <laughs> and then Ma-Eta. and James Baldwin's it. Like I, I I knew I wanted to be a writer 
since the time I was a little kid. But when I read, like, the first sentence I read of James Baldwin in my teens was like, this is it. He's, he changed my life, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think about that a lot. And it, it, also, like, Langston Hughes and... and uh, and I'm drawing a blank on all the other names, but but more so than anybody, you know, um, um, Toni Morrison has also had a huge impact on me. And, and I feel like, but those writers, we live in a time where that we're getting dangerously close to those writers being, like, pushed out. And so, like, if comics is the way that we can keep people engaged and then introduce them, and so that's the other thing, too. Like, wait till you see the back matter for... This, we have to talk about Baldwin. And, and, yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, one of the things Fire Bureau is empowering, right? Mm-hmm. And like David mentioned, you hear its voice booming through, you know, through the, the speakers. It, it, it makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel special, important. It makes you feel like you have to do something to make life better for the next generation. You know, that kind of what, like they mentioned, you know, when you when you listen to him and the writing, it's it's. It's teaching every part of what we do, you know, him and, and so many others, you know, even up to Wayne McDuffie and, and it may sound corny, but, you know, even David himself is what kind of inspired me a lot because he was the only person I saw online that had a brother dealing with depression and right. doing comics. And, you know what I'm saying? It was like, like, shit, I can do this, you know? That, you, know so, yeah. you know, something else that, especially as we started to work on, um, this next arc that we're doing. I watched uh, this documentary, Summer of Soul. Mm-hmm. So, and it made me, oh, you want a bar for it? Remember the scene when Nina Simone got on stage? <laughs> All of that, this is, like, that's, that, that, that rawness, that, that somewhat of a vitriol that she just commanded on the stage. And I'm like, that's not just singing there. That's like a message. That's a message to you know to us. And I'm like, okay, this is where we're gonna go with this. Or at least that's how I'm gonna try to create some visuals that kind of play in in that in that realm, in that field. So I'm excited about this thing. I gotta get done with this DC thing. Because, <laughs> you know, I you know, something that's not announced yet, but I don't even care. I'm like, okay, let me get back to this. Put it off. Well, my contract won't let me do that. And and his wife won't let him do that either. Fills the bed. I think we have time for one more question. Just on the writing thing, I've read so many writing partnerships and stuff. Sometimes you get the word there's clearly one voice writing one character, one voice writing another. And then other times we, there seems to be like a third writer gets created out of the two writers. Have you felt that sort of thing where you're sort of like, you look at something and go, I didn't write that. Did Chuck write that? No, I didn't write that. Who wrote that? Do you have that sort of thing come out of the thing? And, and I, can answer, I can answer for both of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like they make one awesome writer. You know, they have their, 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 their strengths and they bring it together to create this you know, singular voice. Because people come to the table all the time, they're like, well, I love this aspect. Like, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. It just, <laughs> it just came. It just, it, you know, it's such a, a nice melding of different personalities and different ideas and different talents. And, you know, it's a perfect storm, you know? Well, we want to uh, thank you all. First of all, let's give you a round of applause for coming. Now let's
please give a thank you to these three fine gentlemen for giving us amazing comments and more to come. And I assume most of you have been by their table, but they are all set up together in the uh, power trio on the end cap. Uh, 1700. So, yeah, the 1700 yeah. section. So uh, by all means, stop by and say hello directly if you haven't already. And thanks, uh, thanks again for coming out, and we'll uh, see you on the floor. Thank you. I told you it was good. He put the, the good, good's not the right word. Good, no. good, good is an understatement. Yeah, um, I'm excited because he said something within the uh, the discussion that that really made me sit up was the fact that they're pushing to get uh, a massive hardcover of all three volumes of Bitterroot, and I'm like, yeah. that that's my jam, yo! I need that big ass hardcover. Needs it. I I think it's um, I think. Rumor is that uh, it's scheduled for um, February of next year. Nice, nice. I think an important book like Bitterroot should be preserved in a giant all-in-one hardcover. 100%. Yeah. It, it's it's not – I mean, I don't want to denigrate any other book, but it's not the standard superhero fare. There, there's a there's a, a message within these, these pages. They're using art for – the thing for which art was intended to communicate, to enlighten, to inform. That's what this is about. And it, it, it needs to be read. If you've never read Bitterroot, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, find the trades or just wait till the, the giant hardcover comes out because this is the kind of book that changes mindsets for the better. It's a very, mm -hmm. very good book. So, there were there were multiple things in that uh, in that panel that grabbed me, and yeah, the the hardcover treatise that hopefully we're going to get um, is one of them. What I'm really excited about, you know, one of the people who were sitting in the audience, they they mentioned some of the back matter, and it really did sound like there's going to be more of that back matter, um, you know, more of those essays, more of that um, that intellectual. Uh, I really don't know what to call it. Just, just the the extra stuff that grabs you that that really expands the world, um, especially for you know. So I'm just a white dude sitting in Arkansas um, that that reads these books, and and it really does help me um, do the best work I can to kind of understand what a different community is going through and how how a different community is processing the world and the history that we live in. Um, that is that is important work. Like right. That that is. Uh, that is empathy in action, right? And 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 that is something that we sh we should all like. Any artist should strive to do in their work, um, or you know, if they can, if they come from a place they can. So the, it's just that extra stuff that that ma that makes it a really really smart and well packaged um, narrative that just does some heavy lifting. And um, you know, for me, getting to sit there and talk to those those three men, th th those three incredible artists about how they were influenced by, you know, one of, one of my favorite, one of my favorite writers, uh, you know, James Baldwin is, is somebody who means a lot to me personally, um, and his works and how, how we go from talking about, you know, Oh yeah. Like I, I you know, I loved, I loved Kirby and we liked the crackle and, and the, the, you know, there's this really cool spacey elements to it too. Uh, you know, hearing, 
you know, hearing David Walker go into just like, oh, yeah, no, I hear him in my head and he talks this certain way. And the cadence of his voice actually is the way that I wrote this character's dialogue. And it's how I mapped out these things. And here's the stuff from like Go Tell It on the Mountain that actually worked itself into the plot. And here's what we're trying to take from that and launch it, uh, you know, from our book, how we're reinterpreting it and repackaging it for a new new audience that may not have read this work. That just kind of floored me, which, you know, having read the book, I already kind of suspected it was there. Just But just to have that confirmed, it makes me respect not only the work, but the interpretation of the work that much more. It just builds on itself and doesn't stop. Right. Yes, you're exactly right. I was going, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that you asked the question. That was perfect. And um, I was going to say something, but it wasn't really a question. It was more of a comment, so I just shut my mouth. But um, I see Bitter Root as um, a tonic or, or, or a, uh, an antidote to the status quo. Because if the status quo is fueled by ignorance, like they want everything to remain the same. Henceforth, mm-hmm. let's not educate, let's not inform people, let's just keep it the way it is, because this is the way we want it, right? Bitter Root takes all that and throws it out the window, because it's designed, by design, by these three brilliant minds, it's designed to enlighten and inform and to show you that there, is, there are other things that have happened. Uh, yes, and they use... They use art to 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 um, mingle with the message, and it's great because it, it it just entertains and informs. That's the best kind of entertainment, right? Stuff that has weight, that has merit, that has staying power, that means something, right? I love it, but it's not Spider-Man fighting the next villain. It's stuff that has ramifications within the culture, within human culture, and it, it should be preserved. And, and understood. And that's what I love about this book, that they're just, I said it before, they're just taking art and they're using it as a, a, a method to teach and to show, right? It's just a great freaking book. And, and I got to say, Sanford is just a monster. Oh, I, I, was, I, I was going over some of the, the, uh, the pages of Bitterroot to try and find images for this episode. And I, uh, you've seen the interlocking covers, that that he did um mm-hmm. oh my mm-hmm. my good like he is just a giant and i i mean it didn't happen overnight i know but it seems like sanford's star has risen relatively quickly like people just seem to get it at a certain point maybe it was power man and iron fist maybe it was a little before that but with bitter root it's just like supernova, like bam! Look at these pages. Look at this art. It's phenomenal. I think I think he found, like Tony, he found the thing, right? That that reveals to everyone what a bunch of people already knew. But you need to pierce that membrane. You need that thing that that actually does it. And I think with Sanford, I think Bitter Root is the thing. I couldn't be happier for the guy because it, it's not fluffy and light. It it it's it's it has value. It has worth. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's Agreed. unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, what a weekend! 
Um, so, so what do you guys think about the big news though that they dropped? That, that's that's one thing we didn't really cover. This the, the, the fact that we're getting, uh, you know, the next A sequel uh, of sorts. I, I, yeah, like the next chapter, um, all grown's up. But the next generations, but yeah, um, I think it's knowing that um, uh, knowing that's a working title. That that's really mm-hmm. not. It, it's it's for those anybody who hasn't uh been on david's instagram or uh checked reddit the uh the image was of um was a, basically a, a cover um with a character we're familiar with slightly older and a bunch of silhouettes behind her uh bitter root 1965 and and david's not real keen on that uh title didn't but, seem like it <laughs> uh no and and i think i, I think moving from where the series starts uh and then jumping ahead and and going to uh that 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 civil rights era i think that's uh it's weird i mean you would think that it would almost be a given like like why wouldn't these characters like just start there but i i love the fact that they started so closer at the turn of the century and 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 we needed that to get here because I think now that we're here, there'll be some weight to it. And, and, and I think, um, I may be looking more forward to us seeing the family in the sixties than, uh, than as great as the first series was either way. I mean, I'm there for it regardless, but yeah, I, I am, I am so stoked for it. Well, I mean, okay. It's not surprising because like Tony and Stray Dogs, when your foundation is solid, when your concept going in is is so robust and versatile, you can build any kind of structure on it, right? Mm-hmm. You could take it from uh, era to era, and and it always works because your that that initial germ is so uh robust, like I said, that it it just you can lock it into any kind of concept. And it works, so I don't. I'm, I'm really not surprised that it's going to jump a bunch of decades to 1965. It it doesn't. They could do it in in 2020. They could do it in 2060, right? Whatever era they they choose to, they could even go backwards, um, in time. And it's just it, it it'll work because that idea is 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 so versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like Tony. We could we could see a sci-fi Stray Dogs, right? Or or uh, no, it would work. It would work really well. Jason in space. I'm just saying. That is my favorite Jason sequel. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't say that. Stop. Hello? <laughs> is is that no. the one where he uh, he puts the people in the sleeping bag? With the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Just making sure. So I'm on the same page. I'm right yeah. on board with you. As the master editor, that may not appear in the episode. <laughs> Just kidding. That's in there. No, I, I, it, it all comes down to concept. The idea. Is the idea valuable? Yes. Is it, is it, uh, it do you have the ability as a creator to, um, go to permutations, different areas, different directions with that initial idea? Yeah. Bitterroot's just, that works for Bitterroot. And it, and, and it'll work for Tony. So. Well, I think the magic sauce there too is that this is more than just a story 
to to those guys. Like this this is more than just a, a tale that they wanted to tell. This is not something that they just very lightly decided to do. Very light. Like they didn't just like roll a dice and pick no. the year nineteen sixty five. Like they are telling, you know, they are telling the story of a of a family uh, of a community. Um, and of a, it, of a of a truly American tale, like a, a, a tale that only exists kind of in, in the way that the United States is put together. And I think all of them know what that means. Like, uh, you know, and what I say, I think I know they know better than anybody does what that means, right? So they're putting that 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 heart into it. They're putting that connective in. Like, you know, Vince, you you and I both kind of agree, I think, on this that there is something like energy. There is a transference of energy that goes from the artist to the art that you can you can feel as kind of this visual uh, mechanical device that if somebody is not in love or is not energized by the spirit of what they're doing, then you're going to get something that may be great on paper, but it's going to come off stale versus something that you you get that just reaches into the the soul of the creator and that they take some of that soul and they put it on the paper that it could it could even be an idea that that seems to be on paper like not as in depth or, or that that is even more just kind of distilled down, but they care so much about it and it means so much it's so much bigger than they are and they know that that the way that they craft it together makes it explode, um, and I think that is the case with Bitterroot um, certainly is the case uh, with with those with these creators um, sitting there and talking to Sanford Green about kind of where where they're going to take it. And, and you know, we, we were having conversations. It's another cool thing about heroes, right? Like I'm sitting in the Western bar having a drink with Sanford green. Um, you know, who, who am I? I'm nobody. Uh, but he still took the time to have that conversation with me about like some of the, the people that are going to show up or, or at least some of the, the profiles that they're using into that um, to drop it during that era and really shake up not only the story, but shake up what the readers expect to see from the story, it's going it's to be really cool. It's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. I think the word you're looking for is magic. It is, with a K. Exactly. Because it is the manipulation of reality in accordance to the will. So what they're doing is they're infusing this thing with energy, this creative energy that is palpable. You can feel it on the other mm -hmm. end because, I mean, they're not fooling around. You could, if you, the people who have listened to the, the panel, these guys are deadly serious with this book. This, this is not light and fluffy entertainment. This is some serious business. And it, it, the ramifications of, of, of the events of this book, they have weight. It, it's not just a, Oh, um, you know, Galactus is going to die. It goes way beyond that. This is, we're talking about people and about their culture and about, um, everything that, that, that impacts the people. And so it, 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 it's real world topics. It's real world ramifications. And, you know, it means a lot to the creative team. Right? It's, it's, it's in a sense who they are. So they're infusing the art with themselves. Yeah, we're going to pick up on it. How could you not? Right? It, it, I, I think <laughs> when all is said and done, Bitter Roots going to be the life's work of these gentlemen. This is, this is going to be their, their legacy, Bitter Root. I could see that. Ah, well, I mean, how are they going to top it? <laughs> Again, it's like Tony.
how the fuck is he going to top stray dogs? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I got faith in him. I got faith. In him. I do too, but I'm just I'm just tweaking him. Yes, yeah. I, think, I, got I think they'll do it too. Yeah. Yeah. We have to uh, thank Sanford for being very generous with uh, with the gift he gave us, um, which is also um, in Mario's possession. But yeah, um, as well as what did he give you? He gave us a bottle of scotch to um, oh. to commemorate our 800th episode. That's beautiful. It's a yes. sweetheart. Oh, he is. Uh, he really is. And Rick Savage gave me a bottle of. Whiskey, which um, I also can't wait to try, and um, and a bottle of red for Jason, and some beers for Vince. So uh, I just, I mean, it, there's just been there was a lot of love this yeah. weekend. Is basically what what I'm saying. And if 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 um, you know, we'll never stop talking about how much fun we have at Heroes when we go to Heroes, or even, and and how much we regret on the years we may not go to Heroes, which I don't think are going to happen really anytime soon. But, Ain't happening. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but by all means, listen, and, and if you find out, um, if you're not on the Slack and you hear about this, not from this just this episode, but if you're on, on Facebook or on the socials or anything like that from people who you may know who were there, um, you seriously need to do yourself a favor and get your ass to heroes um, next year and every year after that. But it's we're not we're, we're not just you know talking about how much of a great time we had. It really is a. I mean, we've Jason and I went that first year. Vince comes the next year, and it's just been nonstop. We've just can't wait to get back to heroes and. Um, Caleb's heard us talk about it for years, and he finally went. I know this is going to kind of sound like you know a multi-level marketing thing, but it is—it's just like you know now that, that that you've gone, which was also happening at Heroes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and and always, always, people watch your room keys and make sure you have the right one with you at all times. Uh, it's it's just, I mean, we're the two of you who have not yet gone. Who have finally, who've never been before last weekend to Heroes, were we blowing smoke? You are not. I have heard it from you. I've heard it from other creators. I've heard it from other other comic fans. Um, and I was like, it's no possible way that this show is the show that everybody says it is. And it absolutely was. Like, just the vibe is great. The art was great. It's like everybody says art centric show, art centric show. But you know, like you go to that auction, yes. You know, see this, all the stuff that people are putting up in there, the stuff that they've done, like right there on the spot, um, and then just being being from the other side of the country, there's all these creators that that don't travel across the country and do shows mm -hmm. out on the side, you know. So it's people that you know, maybe you'll see them in New York, but there are people at the show that I'd never seen at a show before. You know, people whose work I like uh, and I follow and just so cool to just get to go up and you know look at them and you know i was busy working most of the time so if it wasn't like after hours chatting it up with people <clears throat> i sort of did like a quick glance but i was you know like i'd walk around the floor and just look at everything and just be like it's all of it's here you know it's like uh 
felt like Han Solo in Star Wars Episode Seven, where he's just like, "It's all true, all of it," you know. Yeah. <laughs> the Jedi, the Force. Maybe next year you won't be uh, working, quote, yeah. uh, at Heroes, and you'll just be trolling the floor with us. I would love to go to one just for fun. Uh, yeah, that sort of thing would be great. But again, uh, house, house. Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> say it. Cool. Uh, still Japan though we're doing that we are doing Japan yes indeedy yeah, yeah. so uh, any other heroes uh, uh, business before we uh, talk about some comics um, I went to the Felix dinner on Friday when oh, you guys nice. how was that the 11 o'clock dinner it was great it was at this place called I think it was called King's Table um, and it was like a soul food place, uh, super good. Um, I sat next to uh, Felix and Bill Cox from Comic Art Fans and uh, Nick Dragata, who's a buddy of mine. And then there was a collector there because like, the whole thing is you, you guys talked it up when you went in New York, but it's, a, it's like a thank you dinner from Felix's charity yeah. uh, for his wife and for cancer. Um, Paltown. Say again? Paltown. Yeah. He, uh, I got to go because uh, he sells the, our Stray Dogs art, um, and I had dropped off the, the last piece at the show. <clears throat> Normally when I send him artwork, he likes it to be like packaged up very securely and then overnighted. And We live in the same state, and every time I send something to him, it's like uh, $270 or something. So I was like, well, I'm getting a free flight to Heroes, so I'm just going to take this last piece and uh, hand it to him in person. And when I did, he was like, oh, we're going to dinner tonight. you got to come. And so that was super cool. And uh, uh, Bill Cox, you know, like I watch uh, all the comic, comic art live stuff Stop. on YouTube. Because, oh, look at you. <laughs> you child. Sorry. Never I'm changed. sorry. Never changed. <laughs> With an X. It's all right. My ears, to my ear, it's Cox. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Billy Two Cox. Him and Zagata and I, about three of them exes. And, uh, and this, uh, the collector whose name I can't remember, but he's like a big time collector. And uh, I was checking out his comic fans, and he's so big time that he doesn't even put his name on his comic art fans. He's just called ML on comic art fans. But he had a whole issue of Silver Surfer Black with him, you know, just carrying it around. Oh, uh, God. As, you, as one does. That's sort of that's like Heroes Con stuff, you know. Like you're just chatting with somebody, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to see this masterpiece?" And then you just sit there and you get to like oogle a masterpiece for a while. And similarly, uh, the Imonans were sitting at the other side of our table, and it was too loud in the restaurant uh, to have a conversation with them. So, so I just tried not to stare the whole time, you know. Like that, those are a couple of talented folks, yeah. Uh, you know, like the Canadian Simonsons. Um, so that was a great time, and then I went out uh, for barbecue with uh, with Trigata again, and with uh, Chris Brunner and Rico Renzi, and uh, with Rico's daughter, uh, and that was nice. Just sort of like a away from the con, have, eat some good barbecue. That that was a real great time. Again, like I said, it was sort of like half half uh, industry bullshitting and half comics nerd bullshitting, and then I got to do the comics nerd bullshitting with you guys. You know, like we went and I mean, also just friend bullshitting too, which was nice. Yeah. 
but we went went to that midnight diner, <clears throat> which I guess is they're tearing it down, right? Uh, they're good, they're good relocating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, locating. There, I mean that that location is getting, I believe, torn down. But the the new location is uh, North Davidson, which um, should be better for everybody. We'll travel, right? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That place was great. The that the vibe, just like Heroes Con, the vibe there was wonderful. The food was just as, as good as you've heard. The house sauce. You know, you were trying to tell me it was just red hot and ranch dressing, but I don't believe it. No, I think it was better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I ate what you didn't. I remember you finished off my plate. I did. It was really good. You were really drunk. Here's the thing I love about getting close to the coast like that. Like, you can go to a diner and get shrimp and grits, and not only is it uber delicious, you're not going to wake up dead the next day. Uh, (laughs) And that's a very important part of of eating, you know, shrimp in a diner is not waking up dead. Uh, But, yeah, it it was great, man. The, um, The art auction, for me, uh, like getting to experience that in real time, and also um, shout out to to Raj and to Arnie who both brought home pieces from that auction. Yeah. Um, like so, we got to see some of our crew. Uh, you know, get some stuff that they really really like, and you're getting to meet Raj for the first time that was really cool. That's a cool dude. Um, yes. Like he's, that guy. <laughs> he's amazing. He, yeah, he he's incredible. He he's awesome. Um. But yeah, just getting to like go through and see those pieces and see how the auction works, um, and seeing how the auction doesn't work. Um, yeah, uh, that was that was that was great. That was a good night. Um, a lot of fun. Um, you know, for me, since you know, I'm gonna pull a Tony, and since he was talking about some of the people that he, he got to meet and see, um, you know, shout out to Chris Campana, who I got to got to talk to a little bit. Um, Rich Woodall, I got to catch up with. It was great seeing him. Uh, there were some new artists that I was unfamiliar with that I just happened to stumble by and see and, and make some really good connections with. Um, Jamie Jones is incredible. Uh, Billy Fowler, awesome guy. And then Kaylin Smith is a, is an artist that I wasn't familiar with that she just, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know her from Eve. Super, super cute. Oh, one hunt. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, not, not my type, but you know, she's, (laughs) um, Although the 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 woman that was there, the, who was a local tattoo artist, who did an amazing Scarlet Witch piece, um, made me seriously question my sexuality for a little. Yeah, bit. I thought you were yes. going to jump ship there for a second. I, I was I was wow. contemplating. I had to wow. had to check in, had to yeah. check in and wow. reorientate myself. Um, but no, it was it was great. I you know it all things considered, and if I have my way with things, that's going to be like a, a yearly uh, trip. That, that's going to be something oh. that's just on the calendar. Um, you know, more so, I think, to what C2E2 used to be for oh. a lot of folks. It's it's heroes now. It really is um, for for all the reasons that we've we've mentioned and listed. That does uh, my heart good. You know, and no small piece of that. And I'm not just blowing smoke just because he's here, but it is Tony. It's Tony and Trish um, getting to, to chat with you two fine people. Um, you know, and checking in and it's like, you know, for me, I always worry that once like you've, you've got this like base level, um, uh, acquaintanceship with somebody like you worry about stopping by, like, Oh, am I just going to annoy this person? Am I getting on their nerves? But like, you know, at least from my end of things, it never felt like that. You were always just like, Hey man, what's going on? Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of, um, like I just like talking to people while I draw I got uh, a lot of brothers and sisters, and so I'm used to sort of like having my head down drawing and then just like doing my conversations 
with my head down looking at something else. So like that's that's how I'm uh, that's how I'm built. And then also, you know, like the like I said, the way this show was, like it was steady the whole time. We were always working, but we weren't like mob mob. And and you said you explained how wide the the rows were. So like you know, we could be there for a while just chilling by ourselves, working while we're finishing something up and ready to pass it off to the client or something. So it was nice to the client, <laughs> the customer. Well, they are clients, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was nice to have uh, you guys pop by and, like, you know, check in and just then. And I was always so excited to see, you know, you were like the uh, Uncle Traveler Matt from Fraggle Rock. Like, you'd go out and see the world and then <laughs> report back. <laughs> yeah, but it was happening out there. You always had new artwork. <laughs> it was great, you know, I didn't have to go anywhere. The, the Bilbo Baggins of HeroCon. Nice. <laughs> There and back again. One of the the events of this heroes uh, completely erased any preconceived notions I had on this creator. I thought, based on his work that we've uh, digested over the decades, that he would be a crazy, outspoken, madcap, just chaotic individual. And the reality of this of the situation couldn't have been farther from my assumptions. And David knows. I'm talking about Don Simpson. I knew it. Yep. Creative Megaton Man. I thought he was going to be nuts. And he was very dry. Ex- yeah. Extremely few words. Um, not. It didn't seem like we were annoying him, but he seemed to have... Um, uh, I don't know how you put it. He, he seemed to be uh, uninterested in, yeah. in in our presence. I mean, it wasn't a bad experience. We got to talk to him about Megaton Man and and Border Worlds and all the the stuff we've read over the years. And he was he was not chatty, but he wasn't tight lipped. Like at least he he was semi engaged in the conversation, but there were no woos to be had. There were no like like his his humor is I mean in person is very unlike his humor in the comics. He was extremely dry and to the point where you were like, "Is he being serious? Is he making fun of me?" Or is, you know like, "Am I wrong, Gap?" No, it was yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was the type no. of like when you when you walk around the different creators and and you see the interaction with them. It was he was he was kind of like more he was more. Um, he was drier and more reserved, very much, than, yeah, than Michael Dooney. Which oh no, Michael Dooney lays. He, Michael wasn't always he 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 um, he seemed a little bit downbeat from years past. That's true, Michael. Yeah, but uh, but no, Don was, and I mean the complete opposite of what he is on the page or when you read his posts on uh, or even the back matter or anything he does, um. He is he is open to coming on the show. We we exchange information, so I'll, I'll reach out to him, and it it might be interesting. It'll probably be an episode that uh, you know, Jason's on vacation, but it's it's one of those things <laughs> where um, it it wasn't a letdown. It just wasn't something that I was kind of expecting. I, I still you know right. his portfolio. There were still things that uh, and and you know had I made my way back to his table, and uh, I, I probably would have bought that that test page, but. Um, and you know who's to say I won't see him again? But yeah, I just there, there were um, it was I was glad to see him, 
and Same. it didn't sour me on no. on his work. It, I'm not I'm not like oh yeah, well, this, it it just it was just it was weird based on yeah what what we've experienced from him through the page. Right, he's crazy electric on the page. Yes, he he's insane, and he's got a sense of humor. Obviously, oh, he does. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, he's a funny dude. So yeah, he probably is just kind of a of a dry straight man. It's like you know, and if 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 we're not, um, you know, and and he could have also, like we've talked about in the past, you know, you don't know what kind of day someone's having. Oh, I mean, it's a reality check because you 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 deify these guys, um, the ones you love, right? And you go in expecting them to be their art, and they're not. In some cases, they're 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 totally different, which I think it's necessary. You need to be reminded that the art is not the artist. That that is a very good thing to experience, because it 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 um, there's definitely a separation between the the fiction and the reality, which is awesome. I, I mean, it's just another layer of uh, this medium, you know, that we love so much. Yeah, I mean, it, to that end, Tony also doesn't have serial killer vibes, which kind of threw me off. Oh, oh. yes, yes, he does. <laughs> Love it. This is surprising for somebody that, like, like I would, I just like you, I would expect Don Simpson to be a lunatic, you know, yeah, or no. at least, mm-hmm. at least Andy, you know, like <laughs> at least sort of like a, you know, upbeat. But yeah, you know. I didn't expect him to have the Steve Martin arrow through the head thing. Or you right. know the you know the, the the nose with the mustache and the glasses thing waka 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 no, but he, he he was very different and uh, very it, it, but it, it, at the very least it was it was surprising, which uh, I'm always up for being surprised knocked by status quo on its ass. Thank you very much. All right. I wish I would have known he was there. I would have loved to go and flip through his stuff. Well, if you hang, hung out with us more, maybe you would have. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Damn. Just saying, Mr. <laughs> Workaholic. <laughs> Being selfish and raising money for the Heroes Initiative. Seriously, bastard. what's wrong with you? <laughs> I loved, loved, we were at Tony's uh, booth, and this little girl came up, and she could not get the words out fast enough. I love this book! And she oh told him God. exactly why. Like that, as an artist, that has to be one of the most gratifying things that can happen is when you get a little person come up to you and say, I love what you do. And you know what? I'm going to tell you why in, in excruciating detail, why I love your work like that. You, I, you can't buy that kind of interaction. Yeah, you cannot. It, it was pretty special. It felt great. And to have Trish there too, you know, like that, that part feels great where, yeah. you know, like we can be together and sort of like this thing that we made together, you know, see how it affects people. Um, we, uh, the, I think I told you guys about this, but one of the craziest things that happened was um, somebody came up and handed Trish and I both an issue of My Little Pony to sign. And she, Trish signed it and then she passed it over to me. And uh, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do anything on this one. And the artist of it, uh, uh, they were like, oh, no, I, I drew it. Uh, but I grew up reading <laughs> you guys as My Little Pony comics. And uh, like you, like that's what made me want to draw these comics, and that was pretty, you know. Wow! That's wow! Cool. That's I'm very cool. To, to other, you know, like to like Marvel and DC artists all the time, but nope. So far, nobody has drawn a My Little Pony comic besides this person, Robin, uh, 
who then told us that it was because they read ours growing up. That was pretty crazy. I think I think I would have wept. <laughs> it I, was. I did get a little bit clumped. They went to uh, uh, SCAD, I think, uh, because Chris Brunner was saying that he had taught her at SCAD, taught them at SCAD. I'm sorry. No, I would have um, lost it. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty great, was, and and they were there. They did great work too. So I felt like. Uh, I hadn't let them too far astray, you know. Like they, they were. I they did things in their issue of My Little Pony that that was advanced D and D. You know, it wasn't just, you know, some some young kids showing up and and doing their first comic. Like they were making some cool moves. Nice. Art is contagious. Yeah, sure is. All right. So you want to talk about some comics now? Are we doing the full, we're doing the full show, or are we doing in, talking about comics on the way out? Oh, we'll talk about them on the way out. Okay, I, th- I, I think we gave them a heap and helping of heroes yeah. and uh, a wonderful panel. So let's uh, remind them why and who makes this possible, and it's the patrons. Patreon.com slash eleven o'clock comics one one no apostrophe. They give until it hurts, and we give back until it hurts images audio video polls book of the month slack channel all of the the associations at heroes a a lot of them were born in the slack and it was the realization of everything we do each and every day and so you can be a part of that just uh go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics and check it out we would love to have you join the family there's so much room for more Speaking of the slack, our very own Brian N. recently instigated a Fantastic Four cover thread in which he solicited members of the slack to post their favorite covers from Fantastic Four and tell us why. And I don't know. Like I said, art's infectious and contagious, and I was feeling Fantastic Four, so I said, you know what? I'm going to try and rectify an oversight. And I read the first six volumes of Dan Slott's Fantastic Four. Okay. Whoa. And you sped through that stuff, too. It was impressive. Well, I got to be honest. Um, Boss is on vacation. Nothing was getting done this week. So I spent a good amount of yesterday and today reading Slott's Fantastic Four. And... um, well, I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's a very worthy read. There's one arc that I'm just going to pretend didn't happen. Um, it's the Spire arc. Dan goes in and retcons the origin of the Fantastic Four. It's a completely unnecessary retcon. Uh, it, it's ham-fisted. He did it to serve his story. And like I said, I'm just going to pretend that it didn't happen. But there is a a, a glimmer of, of, of light within that arc because it introduces Sky, which is Johnny Storm's soulmate. And she's a very interesting character. And I think a very worthy addition to the Fantastic Four mythology. So, like I said, I'm the the entirety of the story, just going to pretend it didn't happen. But the, I, Break it down. The rat count? Um, that it wasn't Reed who downplayed the effects of the cosmic rays. It was 
another entity that magnified the potency of the cosmic rays that caused the Fantastic Four to become who they are. Because Ben always kind of had a grudge against him that he Ben always told him we got to watch out for these cosmic rays they're not good you got to prepare and, and Reed's like no no it's okay the shielding will hold it's fine and uh, it turns out the shielding was fine but it was this character that amped them that made the Fantastic Four the Fantastic Four and I think that's total freaking bullshit it's 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 totally unnecessary uh, didn't need to happen. He could have written the story that he wrote without retconning. See, the they go to this um, exhibition where they had the original Marvel one, the rocket that that uh, set the whole uh, Marvel universe in motion. And Reed's like, you know what? We should we should make good on this because it was kind of, it was unsuccessful um, in many respects. Let's let's do it right this time. So he makes the Marvel two. And um, while they're on their mission to go to that place that they never went before, they didn't make it there, all of this stuff happens and it's revealed that this overseer character was the one that, that jacked the cosmic rays to keep them out of their realm. And it's just silly. It's unnecessary. It, it's just total bullshit. That you, you, there are many things that I, I don't hold many things sacred. The origin of the Fantastic Four is one of them. You don't fuck with that. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm not a big fan of sacred cows, but that's one of them, right? Right. You don't it, touch that. You don't touch Superman. You, like, you don't touch right. Clark coming in. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's perfect as it is. It did, this story did not need to be told. And if he really wanted to tell it, he could have found a way to skirt the whole retcon aspect of it but whatever the majority of the run is i think slot loves the fantastic four it's it's in many of the arcs it's pitch perfect because it's all based on family and i'll tell you there's a lot of feels in the book if if you're a fan of fantastic four and you read slots run there are many many times where you're gonna get choked up because he plays to the fan base Ben and Alicia getting married. It's awesome. I, I I wouldn't have written it any other way. There's an arc where Doom is Doom, and he manipulates uh, cosmic energies to draw Galactus to Latveria, and he imprisons Galactus and starts to siphon his energy for the benefit of Latveria. And it doesn't end well. It it's Doom being uh, the the self absorbed megalomaniac that he is uh, you know almost kneel before doom and it, it he fucks it up and reads there to fix it right it's just a great art with with uh aaron cooter on art so the art Ooh. is just phenomenal but to 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 bring it back to what caleb was saying about some pages just you know or, or i'm sorry tony about some pages being a little wonky and you love them because of their wonkiness there's a page where um, Doom is in the midground, right? And Galactus is in the background. And Cooter just fucks with the perspective. It's just wrong. Like, Doom looks gigantic. And he didn't, he didn't uh, compensate for the, the space behind Doom and the trees that are surrounding Galactus. It, it's just wonky looking. But the 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 line style is great. 
I mean, Cooter drew the shit out of it. It's just that he didn't take into account that distance between the foreground, the midground, and the background, with Galactus being the scale that he is. It just looks off. But it's the only page in his run that's that's not super, right? All of it's really great. That page just made me giggle because I'm like, wow, Doom is giant. <laughs> but whatever. Um, there's an arc where um, Reed and Sue are somewhere else, and they uh, Valeria and um, the gang have to call in replacements. It's during the Empire. Uh, storyline so they bring in half of the new fantastic four wolverine and spider-man join the team just for a little while and there's a part in the story where valeria uses hologram technology to uh, replicate ghost rider and the hulk it's money in the bank right Mm -hmm. yeah no it's a really really good run but it's 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 it the feels are what's important and there are a lot of them in this book uh and petunia's in it wow yeah it's just great i i i I, it's one of those things where my preconceived notions of what it was was totally my fault and um it made me it reminded myself that i need to be a little more flexible not to draw the line in the sand fuck it i'm not going to read this shit because I'm having a good time with it, and I think it's it's a totally worthwhile endeavor to read Dan Slott's Fantastic Four. It's good. Was there, was there any connection uh, to the Silver Surfer stuff at all? Like, did it connect to his Silver Surfer run? Uh, to the part that I'm at now, no. Okay. In fact, um, Surfer's not even mentioned in it. Hmm. But See, this, um, this is how you know that Heroes is a magical place because you come back and, and Vince is talking about a Marvel book. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a miracle. Um, it's a Christmas miracle. Were, you were talking about this on the Slack, and, and one thing that made me happy was uh, you actually appreciate or seem to enjoy the Empire. Um, that was an event that kind of connected to that, too. And as somebody who's a big fan of like Wiccan, Wiccan and Hulkling, um, seeing that whole um, event take place was pretty cool, uh, but a lot of people didn't like it. So I actually, it, it did my heart some good to see you say, "Hey, yeah, this was this this was fun." It you know, it's not anything that blew my socks off, but I you didn't hate it. No, I thought it was great fun. Um, the Kotadi, uh, they have a bunch of uh, devotees that try to get the jump on the young uh, Skrull and Cree that were. Uh, forced to fight each other in a in a in an arena for the sake of this cosmic um, casino, that it, all they know is is the bitter rivalry between each other. And apparently, I didn't read Empire, but apparently the Kree Scroll War is over, and the Kree and the Scroll are working together, which is great, right? But um, they manipulate the, each of these entities, the young Kree and the young scroll have the entirety of each of their races history imprinted on them so they know Mm. everything that's ever happened within their races and um this kotati takes all of this and broadcasts it hoping to reignite the kree scroll war like remind these races that y'all hated each other for eons let's get back to that and because these two characters actually 
don't know life without each other, it works against the Katadi. And th it makes the bond between the Kree and the Skrull actually stronger. And I thought it was great. Like, the art's wonderful. You got Wolverine and Spider-Man. Like, what's bad? That's why I, I was reading it thinking, I heard a lot of bad reports about Empire. And so I'm thinking, it doesn't seem bad to me. This is a lot of fun. But, I, like I said, I haven't read the, the event proper, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't stay locked into the to the event Empire, but I do remember really loving the X-Men Empire book. I think I talked about it on here when I was coming out, because it was just fucking wacky. Like, it was just, like, X-Men versus plants, and, and that was what the whole thing was. Like, they were just getting in fights with plants. I loved it. Yeah, and Wolverine at one point mentions that... Um, somebody said, well, why didn't you just teleport there? And they're like, well, he's like, mm, you know, Krakoa is kind of a plant, so <laughs> I don't want to do that because that would not be good. But I, I thought it was it was inventive. That I, At the very least, Slot is extremely uh, inventive with his, his plot twists and stuff. And it all it's all based on love for the family that is the Fantastic Four. They're stronger when they're together. And it, I, I, tons and tons of feels. So if, if you're looking to uh, write a wrong like myself or you're looking just for a, a fun book, yeah, I would read Slots. I mean, he's not on it for very much longer, but it's it's a, when, when the omnibus eventually comes out, get it because it's a lot of fun. And the art, yeah. uh, aside from the initial Sarah Pacelli art, which by and large is good, but she can't draw the thing to save her life. Um, get that. No, nah, it's not good. The thing is, he it's, he's just misshapen and weird. But the rest of it's really good. I mean, I think Sarah Bocelli's great, but not with the thing. Ugh, he looks he looks very off. Um, that that's a nitpick. I mean, she's good. She's really good. So just get slots run, and it, you'll have a good time. What more can you ask? It's true. I think you sold me on this thing. Like, if they put an omnibus out, I'm definitely buying it. I love no. that silver sword. Yeah, I love I, a good. Fantastic Four run. I think you'd like it a lot. Yeah, it, there's not a whole lot of heavy lifting. You know, just to see Ben happy for once in his life was the 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 fuel that fill, filled the tank for me for the six volumes that I read. Ben is extremely happy in this. He's 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 married to the 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 girl of his dreams, and they keep mentioning that Johnny married. A scroll that he thought was Alicia. They keep bringing that up, and Johnny's just—he's tortured throughout yep. the whole. Like, Perfect. <laughs> even Reed laughs at it, like this is so funny. Yeah, and to the point where Johnny's like, "If I hear that one more time," but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'll shut up now. I think I just decided to abandon my, my plans of being a lawyer. And, Tony, tomorrow you and I need to get together and have a long conversation about how we're going to make millions off of X-Men versus plants. <laughs> <laughs> got it. I mean, I feel like they've already laid the groundwork. We just got to uh, capitalize on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got to bring the Kuan Loon into it, too. Me and you, mm -hmm. buddy. We, right? we got this. We got to water those plants. Spring, sprinkle some on That's right. What's happening? I, uh, well, I did not read much over the weekend, and uh, I kind of flipped through everything that I brought home with me, um, mostly the stuff from uh, Tony's and 
Adams and Cliff's table. Um, so there are a couple of things that I'll probably mention in upcoming weeks, and I'll have um, ordering info or at least a way to get it. Uh, so going back to a couple of things that I read before Heroes, um, and since I was missing Strange New World since we were in Charlotte last Thursday, um, the last two issues of Star Trek Discovery Adventures in the 32nd century. Um, issue number three focuses on Detmer, who is, of course, the pilot of Discovery and a fantastic pilot at that. Um, this is kind of a story that mostly takes place in her head while um, her implant is being uh, repaired. And it's it's she's thinking about uh, when she was a little girl and how she would always want to go out into... Uh, be amongst the stars and whatnot. It was it, it's a cute, touching story. But what I really enjoyed was the fourth issue, which um, spotlights everyone's favorite Saurian Linus, who we kind of were introduced to early on in the series uh, when he sneezes in the elevator, um, and uh, he's just he, he's he's reptilian, and uh, basically his planet. Um, came close to getting hit with a uh, with a meteor like ours um, but skipped all that and they've kind of basically evolved from uh, from those early creatures very dinosaur like but um, Saurians have four hearts and eventually they all start to beat uh, in sync and that's when Saurians are at that age where basically you know we would refer to them as you know being in their prime um but Linus is at an age now where all four hearts should have been beating in sync for a while now. He's uh, he's older than basically anybody he's ever talked to. Um, that is that isn't uh, it's a bit out of whack. So um, he's concerned about that, and you know there's there's some self doubt there. But uh, he's on an away team, and uh, they land on the planet, and all of a sudden everybody's kind of infected. Um, the infection even makes its way back to the ship and Linus is the only one who isn't um, affected by it and he's 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 the only one really on the ship um, who's just trying to figure out what the hell's going on um, he tests his theory on uh, Dr. Colbert and um, then basically um Linus uh, Linus solved the puzzle saves the day um, and uh, and in doing so gets a bit of good luck uh, in the end on his own but um, but this this whole series it was written by Mike Johnson art by Angel Hernandez and uh, it's yeah you know, if, if if I had my druthers would there have been other characters I would have probably put the four issue focus on? Yeah. But I'm glad we got to see what we did see. Um there were uh the the first one with Grudge, of course, can't top that. I want to see the cat, but um the Linus one was a great bookend. I I, I enjoyed those two probably the most out of um out of the four. But yeah. Um hopefully well, at least a few pages they have in previews. I don't think IDW is done with the Star Trek license. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do next 
with the Discovery franchise, and if we'll even get some uh, Strange New Worlds comics from them. Um, but yeah, in your travels, Star Trek Discovery Adventures in the 32nd Century. Nice. What you got, Tony? It's me. You go. Okay. Um, I got this book. This book was at the show, uh, but I got it. Uh, I got it online before before I went down there. Um, and it's by a couple of guys I mentioned earlier. Uh, it is a Who HQ graphic novel. It's a little digest size book. Uh, it's a kids book, or like a you know like one that would be in your school library or scholastic book fairs from Penguin Random House. Uh, who was the greatest? Muhammad Ali. Uh, written by Gabe Soria, who I do not know, but illustrated, this is the important part, by Chris Brunner and uh, Rico Randy. Nice. Uh, nice. So this thing is, uh, as you might have guessed, is a, like a sort of a, a biopic on Muhammad Ali. It's got the rumble in the jungle. It's got the thrill in Manila. But what it really has is just Brunner and Rico going nuts. Um, and what I like about this book is that it is – it's the sort of thing where it could just be like a, you know, like a gig where you're just like, oh, I'm doing this, you know, kids book. Let me just knock it out real quick. Uh, and they went so hard in this, like the fights feel like they're actually moving, and every page is almost like a different multimedia, uh, like like they're just like both of them are trying different things, if not on every panel on every page. Um, it's just fucking cool um and like if you don't know chris brunner think uh jack davis times bernie krigstein right like he's just like he's got the like like the caricature in the face is always great and always different and always like like his acting is is great but then like his inks are just chunky and then he like him and rico have this partnership where you can tell they just sort of really lean into each other. And so they get things out of it that, that normal uh, inker, like artist colorist uh, teams don't get, where you just get teamed up with somebody and you're just like, I hope they do a nice job. Like these guys are the whole time they're making this thing are talking to each other. And, you know, like it's a real collaboration. So uh, this thing's real cheap. It's uh, $8 for, for a little, a little trade. Um, and whatever you think about, you know, like if you look at it and you see the 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 font on the cover, it looks like it's almost like you know uh, Comic Sans or something because it's from this this goofy little you know kids biography outfit at Penguin Random House. Uh, and when you see the other ones that they used to do, like they did another Muhammad Ali one where it's like this crazy, like all the characters have big heads, uh, but they're painted in a realistic way, so it just looks they just look like monsters. Uh, but this is just like a really beautifully drawn book and beautifully colored, uh, and you know it's Muhammad Ali, so like it, it's like it's just him being charming and kicking ass. Um, so that it's my highest possible art recommendation, and I'm on a high from hanging out with those guys at Heroes Con. But it was just nice to get to like sort of hear a little bit of their process on it, and and just hear like how much they thought about it, and, and yeah. It's probably not on your radar, and I know because I recommended it to Dap and Jason, and both of them were just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> but this thing is great. <sighs> <laughs> Good one, Tony. 
All right. Um, in your travels, um, did I do that right? I was trying to channel my inner Jason. Um, I, I got a couple of things. First thing I want you to do in your travels is go ahead and mark your calendars for next year's Heroes Con and get your ass out to Charlotte and join us. Uh, it, it, you will have a fantastic time. It's guaranteed. Um, and while you're doing that, while you're while you're booking your calendar, go ahead and send some love out to to Jason, as, and hopefully he'll get over this pretty quick and pretty easy. Because uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, we we miss him being on the show. And then the last thing you're going to do is you're going to go to your computer and you're going to type in www.tribute-press.com, and that's going to take you to a little website where you can probably order a book. Um, that is by the creative team that we have mentioned a couple times on this show. Um, and I know that since Dap said he, he's probably going to talk about one of these things in more detail, I'm not going to get into too much into it. Um, but there is a book that I grabbed at the con um, that I was able to read today, and it won me over. It is, it is hilarious. It is irreverent. It is perfect. Um, and it is called Tony Osmond is a movie star. Um, and this is by the creative team of Tony Esmond with the fantastic, uh, I can't say enough good things about this man, uh, Cliff Cumber with Ken Reynolds on the letters. Um, everything about this book is cool, right? Like there's nothing, it, it is, it is for mature audiences. It does not take itself, um, seriously, but it's not a book that, that it, it, it does not pretend like it's not um, going to treat you right and have you a good time. Um, they do not skimp on the details. They do not skimp on the jokes, and they don't skimp on the quality. It's a black and white book. Um, the cover uh, it actually reminds me a lot of one of the covers that you'd see on like a Reckless book. Um, the long and short of it is Tony Osmond, not Tony Esmond. Um, is somewhere in between a action hero movie star and a porn star. You're not really sure which one he is, um, but you know, just gets into shenanigans uh, all over the place. Um, Cliff Cumber is his own artist. He is derivative of no man. But if I had to say, uh, if I had to give a style, like I'm, if I'm trying to like set a picture in your brain, I would say because we have actually spoken about him a few times on the show. Um, he's got like Aaron Cooter's line a little bit, um, but with like John McRae's sensibility. If you've ever read like Garthinus uh, and John McRae's dicks, um, that like that's that's a little bit of what Cliff Cumber's playing with here. Um, it is it is hilarious. I laughed my ass off uh, several times reading this. Um, it's fun stuff. It was a pleasure meeting, and the pleasure was all mine meeting those that that whole crew this weekend. Um, I like could not I did not quit smiling anytime I was talking to him. So um, go check it out. Like I said, uh, just one more time, uh, tribute-press.com. You can also look at them up on Twitter and Instagram at Tribute Press. Follow them. Give them some likes. Give them some love. Uh, it's worth your time. It'll treat you so many ways. You're bound to like one of them, um, and that's you're not going to get better. It's fun. It'll it'll do you some good. Yep. And if you want to take the fast track to that link, just go to 11oclockcomics.com. It's in the show notes for this episode. Nice. Such a good book. Yep. How come you laugh when I say Bill Cox, but you don't laugh when he said Derek Robertson and Garth Ennis is playing with Derek Robertson and Garth Ennis' dicks? I was, <laughs> I was typing, but... Uh, weren't even listening. D- I, dicks is highbrow, Tony. Yeah. I don't think Tribute Press 
dot com is is working. Dash got the hyphen. Oh, dash. Did we say that? Well, there's yes, tri- tributepress.co.uk. That's the one that works. So yeah. on the on the back of the book, it's tribute-press.com. But I mean, yeah, it may not be. Um, I don't know. I didn't try it. I didn't do my due diligence. Let's Shame do it. Let's do it right now. Yeah, um, that one's not working. Yeah, tributepress.co.uk in the uh, Hidden Lives book. So there you go. Hidden Lives I read this afternoon, and which is all written. It's an anthology book written by Tony uh, with some fantastic art by a bunch of folks. And it's a depressing fucking read, which is why I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> it bees like that some days. Yeah. Um, I'm freaking on it, it then. Oh, yeah. No, I think we, I, yeah, he gave it to us. I think it was in the uh, the pack with the Viz. Oh, I got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I mean, yeah. you said it was depressing. I'm I'm there. Yeah, I got I got to start on the Viz too. And shout out to Tim for uh, his little uh, his his little treats. I was reading the uh, the the Quick the Clockwork Night Clockwork Night uh, foldout he uh, he gave me. And uh, damn, Thane Benson is uh, is a beast. There you go. All right, people, mark your calendars right now because Heroes Con returns to Father's Day weekend next year. Yeah. So, mask out sometime. You want to be there with us? We'll definitely be there. If 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 the con is going on, eleven o'clock comics is going to be there. So we'd love to uh, give you a big old hug and spend some time with you. Go to Heroes Con next year. In the meantime, buy some comics, eat some good food, drink some beer, and say good night. Who was it that said that they hate when I tap on the glass during the? I think that was Brian Newberry. I think yeah. maybe, maybe I'm. I think it was him. Maybe Shout yes, out. maybe it was. So I don't have a glass to tap on this week. So I guess we'll be okay. And Shout out to uh, Ski. That's eleven o'clocker. I saw out there. That's a good dude. Yeah. Who, I was up in uh, Caleb. Was your room the one I was looking at artwork in? No, I think you were up there with Brian. Not um, uh, not Brian. Who was it? Um. No, Brian was there. Yeah, because he was he was aghast that they would have the portfolios on the bed with the beer next with to it. With the beer, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so people were Brian leaning on it. David. Yep. Good night. <laughs> You're not gonna get it. It was oh, it was Brian Clark too that was there. I think it was his room. So Right. Yeah. So the cool thing about heroes going back to Father's Day is that I still won't be a father, but I can be your daddy. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> what goes on at Heroes Con stays at Heroes Con. Somebody gets shot. What is all this noise, Deb? Are you okay? Are you are you yes. healthy? Are you going to be all right? Yes. It's like Fort Apache. I'm the skill. It is. It's well. You got assholes with, with fireworks before the fucking fourth. Oh, that's oh, that uh, dude. Come to David. Pennsylvania. They've been doing it since September. I know. I know. I they love it. their damn fireworks. We love um, them out here. Do you guys have like little roadside fireworks stands that pop up? Yep. yep. No. You, you every mile in Pennsylvania, there's there's fireworks stands. Like wh- that's one thing. As a kid, 
whenever I would get money, I would not blow it on fireworks. I thought it was the dumbest thing. Because you light them off, they explode, and then what do you have? Nothing. Spend your money on comics instead. And you can grow up like us. For sure. Like, all weird and broken. Svelte, (laughs) handsome, Well, that, yeah, you must be looking in a mirror. Nipples out. Yeah, no, no. Some sexy menses on on this whole show. We're out of here, people. Come back next week. Maybe Jason will be here. Maybe not. Maybe we'll have to bring Tony in again. We'll see. Be here. I'll be, I'll be available. You know I'm always around. Yeah. Jason's looking for the pee under his mattress. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> that man loves you. You do just love to tear him down. I, I do. Stand. I do. You get really salty whenever I tease Jason. Why? I, it's a shtick. No, I've been- I've been covered for years, and only <laughs> recently was I just like, this is escalating. This is just, <laughs> like, every, it would be like once or twice an episode, and now it's just like, anytime you talk about him, you're just like, <laughs> It's totally untrue. I just do it because it's a thing. I love, I, d- there's I only, I don't love anyone more than Jason. Yes. I don't. It's, it's, that's the way it is. Jason and David are on the same keel. I love them both. They're my children. <laughs> we're out of here your children better is all i wish i had a watchdog like tony that would stick up for me like jason I would. if i saw somebody coming at you like this i wouldn't stand for it for a moment <laughs> a moment we're out of here who, who's coming up who's coming at you because i can nope. i can deal with that nobody no nobody comes at me i mean i don't i ignore it even if they did i don't really care you know how I go. Sue him. Ah, sue him. Whatever. If that gets you off, then go nuts. Does your mag- magic friend give you a hard time like you give Jason a hard time? Oh, for Rizzle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's because they've known each other since uh, grade school. Yeah. Nobody gives me shit like Mike. Yep. It's like ball breaking. It's healthy. I think he, speaking of it magic, is. you might be the first person that's ever gotten kicked out of the Weston bar at 2 a.m. for playing magic. Chicken. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I don't know why they just let, let us play. That game was perking, man. We had something going on. Down in the south? Come on, quit playing around. Hey. There you go. We're out of here. Tell them you love them. Love you. Love you a lot. Love you. That's it for that one. <laughs>